Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Geek Vibes Hey, how are you guys doing out there? <laughs> this is your pal, Dane Alves, with another amazing episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance, a show, and if you're new, that me and my good friend and co-host, Christopher Brother Ray Patton, break down the latest and greatest in professional wrestling news, and usually get to provide you with reviews on said shows. Um, this is going to be a heavy news episode. We're going to kind of talk, you know, in one segment about highlights that we can remember from the shows this week but it was more progressing storylines i would say and some of the outer workings of stuff going on in the industry takes uh takes the uh, key role for us talking about we're also going to go over wwe uh wrestlemania backlash the attack of zombies <sighs> what the fuck and uh just a whole slew of other things so get excited because we're going to be talking about it and we are so happy to have newcomers and especially our veterans listening in with us uh, but i could not do this by myself i'm actually like i said uh previous with my good friend and co-host christopher brother ray Patton. how you doing sir i i was doing good until i dived into the podcast and i thought we were talking about the young rock we're not talking about the young rock i mean i need to talk about the andre the giant and uh sad andre the giant not being able to watch movies it's so bad no i'm just kidding but uh, hey, love you guys listening out there. Dane, how's your week been, bud? Good week. Busy at work, but uh, definitely can't complain too much. And just uh, watching a lot of wrestling. I, I actually figured out that I get the best sleep on Monday nights, uh, Chris. Do you know why that is? Uh, I don't know. You're watching Street Outlaws? That's like a three-hour event. Well, actually, uh, it's a three-hour event, but it's Monday Night Raw. It puts me in such a wonderful, sleepy mood uh, most of the time, and I pass right the fuck out. And for some reason, just it's it's perfect every single time. It just always works. Good stuff. I, w- I was thinking old Big Chief, but you out, you know, you just you tune over to the Discovery Channel, watch yourself some Street Outlaws, and just have a nap. Dude, outside of wrestling news, did you hear that? AT&T's like, man, fuck Warner Brothers. They're not worth it. And sold that shit to Discovery. I think yeah, it was $58 that's, billion. Dollars. That's wild. And I also, I, I'm in conversations with AT&T right now. So maybe they'll, maybe they'll hit me up. Maybe that. they I will. Know. Yeah, I don't know. Doubtful. Doubtful. Pray for terrible, me out there, listeners. Ter- terrible internet service. Sorry being truthful for myself and chris has already said it for him but uh anyways let's get started on this show and talk about uh wrestlemania backlash and i'm looking forward to wrestlemania hell in the cell and wrestlemania uh tlc and whatever the fuck they decide to do in the future uh that was actually something that was um changed up they decided to switch uh hell in the cell with um, TLC this year. So TLC will be in October, and the next event would normally be TLC. That will actually be Hell in the Cell. Uh, I actually like that for TLC, because we can play into some of that stuff 
building up to WrestleMania. I think that that is a smart idea, Chris. And maybe with this change, we'll actually have uh, a meaningful cash-in with the uh, money in the bank. What do you think about that? No, I have to agree with you. I think it's a very smart change for WWE. And I don't mind them calling it WrestleMania Backlash because the idea of Backlash is it's after WrestleMania. Yeah, that's uh, true. As far as paper, uh, pay-per-view names, etc. So, like, I actually like the pay-per-view schedule. I know a lot of people are like, what? Oh, my God. But I kind of like it. I, I like it. Well, he likes it. You know? I do, too, actually. I, I think it's a good idea. But, yeah, I just thought of that. But uh, let's get into this pay-per-view of WrestleMania Backlash. Um, I'll, I'll just say this. Right at the start. Just to define this pay-per-view, I thought all the matches were actually really good. I actually enjoyed a majority of the work, but the fact that they really tried to insult my intelligence to a level of just new understanding for promoting a movie instead of trying to make it, like I said on Tom Clark's main event, that me and you both were uh, in the uh, Discord, if you will, for uh, talking to him... um, why the fuck couldn't that be in our truth segment or a commercial that you have our truth in or, or something along those lines? Uh, we'll get to that, but what was your impressions of uh, WrestleMania Backlash itself overall as a pay-per-view? There's a lot of good matches on WrestleMania Backlash, and I uh, completely agree with you as far as uh, that weird-ass zombie thing as a movie promotion. I don't know. I wasn't a huge fan. Like, I know there's a lot of people out there that apparently really liked it, uh, but I hated it. I mean, if I'm Dave Batista, I don't necessarily want to be associated with that. And we'll get into the match later, but it was pretty bad, and it did insult your intelligence, I guess, as a wrestling fan. If you, if you want to look at it that way. It's just, it's, it's just another dumbass thing WWE did. And not only that, uh, one of the unfortunate... Uh, side effects from that is that the Miz, I think, tore his ACL, I believe. He'll be out for six months, if not longer, because of this. And uh, this will go into a couple injuries that have happened as of recently. Um, you know, within all of wrestling, uh, Will Ospreay included. We'll talk about that with the IWGP Championship later. And uh, Ricky Starks uh, breaking part of his neck and will be out for six months. I believe six months as well. So... Uh, really fucking sucks for Miz to have to go out on a uh, on a note of a zombie um, interaction uh, for having that injury. But then again, I'm sure they're going to pay him, and they know that he's a company guy. Obviously, he's willing to do stupid shit like that. He's got his reality TV show, so maybe they wrap up the season easier, and then he can spend time with his wife, Maris! And they're beautiful children, so I guess that's the silver lining. It just sucks that <laughs> he got injured in this fucking stupid fucking zombie match. Sorry, sorry, I had a... Oh, God damn it. No, you need to release the steam on this, because Miz has never been long-term injured. This is the first time. And imagine being it the first time is this. That's how a lot of girls probably feel. Or guys. <laughs> uh... No, it's, it's it was just bad overall, and and uh, like the zon- how much the zon- has he been playing ball lately with WWE? In the championship for a fucking day, basically. Yeah, 
poor fucking Miz. Honestly, feel that for the guy. But um, hey, I guess it opens up the mid card for uh, Morrison. I mean that that's the biggest impact is there's no yep. mid card now because the mid card was the Miz on Raw. He he's carrying the second hour of that show, just cutting promos, doing whatever he does. They throw a bunch of shit at him. It is what it is. Um, now there's a giant gap there, so maybe that's Morrison, and that could be awesome. Another silver lining is definitely that Morrison now gets to strut himself, strut his stuff by himself. I just hope they don't randomly put him in another tag team. Um, I don't know, man. He's just someone that's just so good, and it sucks that he's kind of just a lackey as of lately since he came back to WWE instead of going to AEW or a New Japan, which apparently had offers for all three. Probably for less money, though. Yeah, money is money, right? So, like, I'm not going to crap on Johnny Gimmick name, friend of the show. He's yes, his, sir. He's getting he's getting his stuff in, uh, whatever. But it is going to be, I don't know. I think this is a good time to push him now that more uh, or Miz is gone. Um, but they, I mean, Miz is like he has a torn ACL. They could will him out in a wheelchair and have him cut promos if they still want to do that. But uh, maybe maybe let Morrison just have a shot. Give him a shot by himself. Yep. All right. So let's get into this pay per view and just go over the matches themselves. Um, I went back and watched this because I heard it was a good match. And apparently this is, from what I'm hearing, Sheamus' idea to have a program with Ricochet and try to build him up. Um, I'm assuming in a way that finally Ricochet gets a win and gets the title. I don't know if that will actually happen. They've had two excellent matches. Uh, I've liked Sheamus and his work as of lately. But they had almost a 10-minute match for the pre-show. Uh, Sheamus hard-hitting, Ricochet evading a lot of stuff, getting a lot of hope spots. And, um, you know, as long as they don't, I, I don't know if Ricochet stumbled into Humberto Carrillo's, uh, spot. And unfortunately another guy that got injured, I don't know why it was intelligent to try to do a sunset, sunset flip powerbomb to the outside with someone the size of Sheamus, especially since he actually has, you know, spinal stenosis, spinal stenosis, and he fell awkwardly on his knee and now he's out for a while. But either way, Ricochet's now in the spot. Um, and Sheamus wants to try to get him somewhere. I think he's still struggling with promos, but either way, this match was actually a pretty fun match between the two guys. I don't know where it's going if, because this is a thing. If the rumors are true that Sheamus is trying to, maybe he had that for Humberto and now he's going for Ricochet, whatever, build up some baby faces to probably, you know, presumably drop the title to, um, that doesn't fucking matter. It's still what Vince sees. And I think, unfortunately, Ricochet could use a mouthpiece. Now, we're going to talk about Zelina Vega um, apparently being back with the WWE. Um, and a lot of people are associating her right off the back with Aleister Black. We'll talk about all that. But maybe someone like Ricochet could use uh, her efforts, uh, maybe repackage him as King Ricochet, do something along those lines. But like I said, getting back to this match, just trying to tie in some of the Monday Night Raw stuff that continued with it. I liked it. Uh, I like Sheamus as of lately. And, um, I mean, if it's just Ricochet getting destroyed for the next couple of weeks, that fucking sucks. But, I mean, is there a difference in what's really happening anyways? I mean, probably not. Chris? I, I heard rumors that Ricochet was super pissed after this match about how stiff Sheamus was. 
And there's moments in that match where he does look a little dazed. Did did you hear this? Yeah, I, I did. I did hear that there was uh, some complaints of uh, stiffness, but unfortunately, is that what you get into when you go? Sheamus is very much like JBL. That's kind of the style. I do you think they didn't work things out beforehand? I mean, it's not like Ricochet's never worked against anyone. I mean, he's he's worked a bit against Pentagon. Who's <laughs> pretty yeah, like, uh, yeah. I don't know if they work stuff out beforehand. Uh, Sheamus has looked good. Like as far as in ring stuff that Sheamus been doing has been great. This is a fine. It was a ten minute match, but uh, like you said, the that weird title picture is just kind of up in the air of what you want to do with it. And there's a lot you could do with it, um, and you can also just bring. I mean, like like you said, if you're going to bring in Selena Vega, you can immediately associate her with someone uh, like Ricochet or, or do something cool like that. But uh, it's just, I don't know. Has Ricochet won a match in the past year? That's that's maybe the better question. No, well, I the thing is, I haven't got a chance. So you know how before Ali was put in charge of Retribution, Played ball and everything, uh, and now he just disappeared. Him and Ricochet were having a series of matches, and I checked out a couple of them. They were on main event, but they were really fucking good, and people were talking about them on Twitter, including Hurricane Helms and a bunch of other talking heads, ex-professional wrestlers. Um, So I checked a couple of them out, and apparently they started another one. So I don't know if they're dropping back and forth with those or if Ali's just taking the pins because he's probably a little bit higher leveled, but... Um, I'm not quite sure. And is there a way to repackage Ali? Cause God damn, man, he's got no offense to Ricochet. I think he's one of the best high flyers of his generation. Hands down. Incredible. But I think Ali has certain aspects. If he might not be as good of a high flyer, he knows how to talk his ass off and took chicken salad uh, or chicken shit and turn it into chicken salad, basically with retribution. So Surprised to see him get such demotion as well. Yeah, I have to 100% agree with you on that. It, it's With Ricochet, it's very weird to me because his contract is up in April, this coming April, I think. Because mm-hmm. he only signed a three-year deal with NXT. And uh, he was there for like a year and a half, and then he moved up to the main roster with Aleister Black as a tag partner, and that that thing should be coming up. So that's one of those you got to shit or get off the pot, unless they sign some kind of deal I'm not aware of. Do you know if they signed anything? No, no idea. I don't know. I think try to build himself some more, see what happens, leave in April. There'll be plenty of places for him to go to. He's just one of those once-in-a-lifetime talents. Just realize his strengths and understand his weaknesses, but I just don't think, unlike Triple H, unlike a lot of the places he's worked before, that Vince gets Ricochet. And the one thing he doesn't even have going for him, unfortunately, and it's proven by the promos he's done lately, is his mic skills. So even someone like a Rey Mysterio you could compare it to, he came off a lot more relatable and just super baby face and could still, even if he wasn't the best, really get people into his promos. Uh, so Ricochet's always, I think that's always been his downfall, man. In WWE at least. Yeah, and, and 
they tag him with a lot of like you have to go be a superhero kind of thing, and they want him to say those lines. If we're going back to the old promos, at least him versus AJ Styles were like, "Hey, we want you to specifically say this thing." That's just very weird. Weird for Ricochet. Like he come, he kind of always comes off as a heel, anyways. So if he's going to be a babyface, like put a mask on him, I guess. Yeah. It, it, it's it's just a little weird. It's like Scorpio Sky as a babyface. Um, I, I don't know that that necessarily works, but uh, yeah, like there's no are there any luchas on Raw? And if not, why not make him you know King Puma or something? I know there's like lawsuits. We've said on that. Prince. They could totally do that, even with Ali. But I mean, the suicide concept for Impact TNA. You know, just let him come back as a luchador and just play with that aspect, do the superhero thing. I mean, that's a concept for Selena Vega. Maybe he's like, he just comes back randomly as a heel, heelish uh, luchador that Selena Vega is now promoting. And people can be like, pretty sure it's Ricochet, but who gives a shit? And just try him over uh, with something he's comfortable with him eventually going babyface and being this super babyface that's over. So I don't know. Probably won't happen. He'll he'll be like I said. I think Ricochet. It really is a once in a lifetime talent when it comes to high flyer. He's promoted by the industry by all his peers as being so good. There's no way he'll be underutilized in other places that know what he is. Unlike Vince, I think that's really what it comes down to. Yeah, I just felt bad for him because he didn't have that long of an NXT run. If we're being completely no. honest and. Uh... They shoved him up into the spotlight, and uh, now he's just kind of stuck there. Unfortunately, it's a weird, it's a weird one. When you see that same problem almost happening with Keith Lee at this point, who hasn't been on S- SmackDown or Raw or whatever, he I don't even remember what he was on. No, it was Raw because he was going against Randy Orton and shit. Um, I don't get it, but <laughs> you you mean when he unified the titles and they immediately ununified them <laughs> as soon as he left? <laughs> All right, well, let's move on to the uh, first match on the actual pay-per-view. Love you, Ricochet. Uh, Rhea Ripley defeated Asuka and Charlotte Flair. Um, I thought this was a good match. So Charlotte's doing this new thing where she asked uh, fans on Twitter what other villains uh, they'd like to see her come out as within, you know, movies and whatnot and television. A lot of people saying Cersei, so it's kind of fun that she's having fun with it, I guess. But uh, I'm glad Rhea won. I would have been completely fine and content with Charlotte winning. I know a lot of people would have freaked the fuck out, but I think that's where it's going regardless. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, for the Raw Women's title, or if she was on SmackDown, same thing with this, I feel like it's a uh, Jay Lethal Okada type of concept. And what I mean by that is, and we'll see what happens over in New Japan, Charlotte, if she's there, it's like, well, you know, we could put the title back on Charlotte. That'll work out really well. Um, no matter what, it's always going to be that type of concept. Uh, same thing I feel like with Jay Lethal and Ring of Honor, and especially Okada with the New Japan IWGP Championship. Uh, but she didn't. They're going to keep Rhea. They keep on building her. I don't know what the fuck's really going on with her, but this was a fun three-way. And I, I honestly say, they've been doing way too many triple threats. I will admit that. I would way prefer the old stipulation of elimination style. Uh, I think that makes more sense because if the champion loses first, either he got fucked over by them to 
working against them. Maybe it's a babyface concept, so that can, you know, adhere different storylines going forward. Or they didn't deserve the damn title because they lost it first. So I, I just like elimination better. I've always said that with anything past one on one. Um, but the two ones on here were actually pretty entertaining. So I like the men's one a little bit more, but this wasn't bad. They're both basically greatest hits, if you will, from all three of them. But the ladies worked hard, and Rhea's still the champion. Do you have a problem with that? Or were you thinking that it possibly could be going back on Charlotte? No, I mean the same problems that you have. Just I'm tired of uh, the elimination rules in WWE, but I've been yelling about that for four years at this point. Um, I thought it was a really, really good match. I like Charlotte a lot. She's always going to be there. If you don't like Charlotte, get used to it. She's your new John Cena, or female John Cena. She's always going to be there. She's just a solid person you can put into any situation, babyface or heel. She just kind of fits the mold of whatever they're going to try to do with the women's division right now. Like Brock or Roman. Yeah, and and, and I don't say that being like trying to be negative about Charlotte because I'm a huge Charlotte Flair fan. But if you go back and look at all of her matches, they literally put her wherever they, wherever she needs to be a little bit, actually a little bit like Randy Orton. It's like, Hey Randy, we need you to do this for a while. That's kind of like the, the role Charlotte Flair has been playing. Yeah, no, it is. And I, I feel like, you know, Ric Flair, maybe, calls Bob Orton and is like, hey, man, can I, like, you know, I don't know, just adopt your son uh, <laughs> probably once in a while because those are those two people that he thinks highly of, and they kind of do have a similar, you're right, uh, place within the wrestling industry in WWE. But, um, yeah, let's move on. I got to say, Chris, I don't know if you feel the same way, but for all that stuff with the tournament, with the women's titles at WrestleMania, and the fact that we had a four- way tag match in which the dirty dogs retained the tag titles on smackdown before wrestlemania why didn't we just cut the tournament and have basically the match that they had on smackdown instead of this pay-per-view real good feel good moment with natty and tamina winning over uh shana and naya uh i actually really liked the match and i was very happy for the ladies afterwards and then this match um, they took out Dominic beforehand, kicked the shit out of him. So it was Ray, you know, just being super babyface for most of it, selling like a mother trucker, still agile as hell. I mean, it's just crazy how he can move at his age. And then Dominic coming out during the match to save his dad. Then Dominic getting the better of him for a little while, tagging back in Ray. And I thought that it was a good match and a, it was a good win. And I was really happy that Ray and Dominic. One, I just kind of think that, think in WrestleMania moments, instead of a two-part women's tournament in which Shayna and fucking Nia already won, if they just replaced it with this tag match and that women's tag match on the SmackDown before this pay-per-view uh, for those feel-good moments, I think that would have been more intelligent hindsight 2020. Yeah, no, I gotta agree with you there. the The weird one with uh, to meet with Dominic and Ray Mysterio is why not save it to Father's Day since you're gonna do a pay per view over that weekend anyways. That's a good point. I didn't even think about that. Like, 
you know what I mean? Like, or, or, or save it till it's a little more important, not just a one-off pay-per-view because they, I mean, they've been building Dominic, but it's not like he's getting uh, strong wins or anything. They're just kind of hanging on to that as like an idea. Um, yeah, just outside of this, it, it is a little weird to me, especially the way that they decided to book uh, Ray and, and Dominic. I I don't know. I would probably save that as a big moment, or I would have done it at Mania, or I would have saved it kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. Same thing with the women's one. I think Nia and Shayna losing is a big deal to probably have at Mania instead of what they went with, but you can't, uh, you know, can't be hindsight. It is it is what it is, brother. So let's move on. Uh, but yeah, I really did like that moment. That was touching. Ray looked really emotional and uh, cool concept, nonetheless. Uh, the lumberjack match. So beforehand, John Morrison was looking for Miz backstage. Asked one of the interviewers. Uh, she didn't know where he was, and he found a locker room that was titled Lumberjacks. Open it up. Zombies were in there. I will say, makeup on this one compared to the NXT stupid shit, um, which I also equally hated. So so did you not have a problem with the NXT one? No, I did, actually. I, I definitely did. I'm not all of a sudden just liking stupid stuff and then, you know, whatever, fucking online fans. Anyways, but uh, pulls out the zombies. They follow him into this match, and they're the Lumberjacks. We got a commercial for Army of the Dead, um, which is Zack Snyder's new movie with Dave Batista in it, which I will be watching with my brother probably later on today or tomorrow, just out of curiosity. Uh, hey, you know what? I was a big fan of Dawn of the Dead. I thought that was a great remake, so we'll see what the fuck it's like. Um, either way, terrible way to promote it. I would have done this as an R-Truth skit or something that was definitely maybe with R-Truth or someone, but a commercial, obviously, like they've done in the past at these shows instead of making it around my match. Damian Priest won, but he got a bunch on him. Miz lost, got eaten by zombies, and in real life, injured himself. We've already went through all those things, and it just was corny, cheesy as hell. And then I love Batista's response from all the hate <laughs> messages on Twitter <laughs> saying like, hey man, I'm not the one that books this friggin' show, kind of pointing out that that was Vince and not even his decision. So uh, about as funny... I would say are almost as funny as Eddie Kingston and John Moxley stealing the unbuck shoes. Um, <laughs> just all terrible, just all fucking awful. And this does not help Damian Priest at all. I think you just pointed it out. What, like, what does this mean for Damian Priest? He's, is he going to have to fight these zombies off? Is he the Rick Grimes of this situation? Oh, my God. Uh, I, the only the only thing I can think of is at he's been willing to do the whole Bad Bunny thing, and then this. Maybe they're realizing that he's willing to play ball. Maybe. But this doesn't, for a viewer, make me want to like Damian Priest, especially if I was someone that did not know him beforehand. No, what it makes you think of immediately is the same thing as uh, who's the king on SmackDown? His name, uh, Baron Corbin. He's going to be... Corbin. He's Baron Corbin. Just relegated to the mid-card as a tall heel or baby face or whatever they need him to be. But, man, they really killed his push here. This zombie stuff was 
terrible. I, I think I messaged you earlier. I said it's one of the worst things I've seen in wrestling this entire year, if not the worst thing. Um, Jesus Christ. I yeah. don't. I'm not trying to bury anything, but God, this was bad. This is way worse than the uh, Cameron Grimes Loomis stuff because, like, that was at least on a Halloween show. It was supposed to be comedic, I think. This was a pay per view match. You're trying to put over this new guy that just came to the main roster. He just had this, he just had another match with Bad Bunny in a celebrity spot at WrestleMania. And then this is, this is where we're going, I guess. Which, out of everyone in the match, Morrison's the one that came off looking the best. And he's not even in the fucking match. Yeah, I feel bad for Damian Priest. I know that, you know, technically, like I said, he is putting forth that he is willing to work. So hopefully that's noted. But this stuff is not good for him. And I wonder, since he, I feel like he was early pulled up, you know... He stated many times that his two favorite wrestlers, number one was The Undertaker, number two was Razor Ramon. And Scott got a chance to work with him a lot at the Performance Center and kind of give him some philosophy. Now that we know that Taker, at least right now, goes over there quite frequently, but is being rumored to be kind of get like Sean was, kind of getting uh, into training at NXT. Do you think that he kind of wishes that he had another year at NXT, partially getting trained by his favorite wrestler uh, and building himself, possibly getting the title over there before coming over here? Because <laughs> he's done stuff with Bad Bunny <laughs> and Zombie so far. Yeah, I was I was about to say when you were bringing that up, if, if he called Scott Hall before this match and he's like, so then anyway, Zombies Eat Miz, Scott Hall would be like, don't do that. That sounds... <laughs> Sounds hey, super terrible. Hey yo, you just you're just gonna get some on you, kid. You know. Yeah, I, look, man. I know the click. They've made bad decisions in the past, but they've never once gotten eaten by zombies. So I'm assuming this guy would have been like, "No, please don't do that." This was this was fucking terrible, and it, it, it sucks even worse because Miz tore his ACL ACL during this match. So another like, added element. Uh, it's like a double whammy. Exactly. But another added element. I know Bray Wyatt, so I don't know what... I'm just going to assume. I don't know what the tweet was uh, supposed to reference. But I know that Bray Wyatt's uh, been off, and even before WrestleMania off for a while. Uh, apparently, uh, he's having depression problems. He's been someone that's uh, been kind of loud about uh, dealing with issues in the past and a lot of the stuff... With John Huber, a.k.a. Luke Harper, Brody Lee, uh, has been messing with him a lot. So that's why he's been kind of not there as frequently. And there's also stuff involved with the progression of the character he came up with and the way that WWE is going about it that might um, be a part of that decision making as well. Um, speculation, but it, you know, I know for, I know that he is having some issues mentally and that's why he's, that's one of the reasons why he's been out. That is actually confirmed. He's mentioned it, but he put, do you guys miss me? Uh, coincidentally, right after this was on. So I don't know if that was just coincidental and he didn't watch the pay-per-view, but weird timing nonetheless to put that tweet out after zombies attacking eat Miz on camera. 
I mean, I think it was it was spot on for what he was trying to say, but my response to him was like, nah, because <laughs> I also don't like this other shit you're doing. <laughs> yeah, I'm just I'm wondering if you had got a conversation, like, all right, it's not going to happen because I think the WWE likes Bray, but they also like to manipulate and, and pull apart his ideas. Uh, you know, going back to the Wyatt family, doing this type of stuff with the Fiend and him wanting the Fiend to be more of like a murder some person than anything supernatural. We've all heard the rumors before. Um, but I don't know where the hell I was going with that, honestly. Um, not being happy with, with the creative direction of that type of shit, I guess. And now I, I don't know how the fuck he feels about the Alexa Bliss crap, but yeah, I, I, I didn't really meet. I, I have not missed a lot of stuff involving the fiend, but I'm just wondering if that's because of creative direction. That's not under his control. That's what I was saying. It's not going to happen. But if he somehow was one of the guys released and like Moxley did, like, like uh, Luke Harper did was sitting down with Chris Jericho, I would love to get in the head of where he perceived the fiend to be going as opposed to where it actually did. Um, we all know the red light was Vince's idea. That was definitely confirmed. So it just always kind of pulls me back. I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated more by it than anything else. I don't even know if the red light was Vince's idea as much as uh, production's idea of telling him it's a good idea. That shit's so terrible. Probably. Uh, but, man, it's just such a weird thing with The Fiend. And uh, what that character could be versus what it actually is. God, like, when he came on, Chris, and was taking out Legends, and it was creepy as hell, and then they weren't coming back, or they were already leaving, and then uh, he had that match with Finn, and the entrance, and the match itself, and him decimating him. That was the only good match in that lineup, and then it was <laughs> Seth Rollins, Red Lights, and fucking mallets and shit, and losing and losing the title and all this dog shit, and he's supernatural and ugh. like what the fuck, man? I, I I don't know. I feel bad for Bray sometimes. I don't think he's the best worker, but I think he has a very creative mind for wrestling. That's unique. I do, I do too, and they're trying to book him like the Undertaker, right? But you know the thing about the Undertaker is he doesn't get his ass kicked all the time. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that's the big thing. Like, you've basically shown me that Bray gets his ass kicked all the time or he gets distracted by a little girl with uh, black goo on her head. Oh, like, my God. <laughs> that was so terrible. That was uh, – and one RKO, even though he gets up from, like, everything else easily. One it's RKO. Just, it's, just rid- it's just ridiculous, man. Like – he's supposed to be this big, scary, mean, bad guy from the depths of hell – but, like, he lost to one RKO because like, Black Goo, I guess. <laughs> he got set on fire. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, the only thing, the know. only person looks positive out of all of this is Randy Orton. He's like, well, I RKO'd you, and I also made your girlfriend hate you somehow. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm just trying to think of, of any other wrestler, and I can't, that had potential with becoming big with a certain character. Like you were hearing a buzz, or at least I was with people were asking me what the fuck's up with this in reference to this. And it just getting completely destroyed and diminished within the wrestling industry. And I, I don't, I don't think, 
I don't think there's anyone, really. They can push him as a top guy, but now he's just like, a, uh, oh, we're going to do this again? Yeah, I mean, that's... I think you muted yourself, buddy. All right, well, uh, you're, it says at least on here that you're still muted, but I'll move on to the next match because we've been talking about this stuff. Unless, hey, are you back, Chris? Back? Yep. Yeah, can you hear me? Okay, uh, sorry, Skype's being weird. Uh, no, uh, the only thing I was going to say is, like, with Bray, the way they've booked him, it's okay to be the giant monster character if that's your character. You can't do 50-50 booking with that character, right? So... Like, how do you rehab him? Like, how do you make us as fans care about the character? Like, with with Kane or Undertaker, they came in and destroyed everybody. Right? And then they had the brother storyline. And uh, even if you go to, like, Mark Henry and the Hall of Pain, he destroyed everybody. (laughs) You can't have, like, Bray losing matches to, uh, like, Hell in a Cell matches and weird red lights and uh, black goo, etc. Like, it just doesn't work. And it's like, what do you do in the concept of we don't really want to see him back as a fiend. I don't think he could pull off a new Wyatt family. I think that would take a lot. Uh, Alexa is now doing the backstage, not funhouse stuff, but that doesn't really work except for with the fiend. Because it's such a drastic difference until they made them start going down the really supernatural hole as well. Um, I mean, could he create the Wyatt family again? Just drop the fiend and let Alexa have it, I guess. Which I don't think is going to help her either. If I'm fucking Bray Wyatt, I'm coming out as Husky Harris and just fucking having a run. Just getting wins at this point. Because everything creative he does gets dragged by dragged down by something else. How about like, Blackjack Harris? Yeah, there you go. Go with that. <laughs> like, I mean, something different. And and with the Alexa stuff, it's like she kind of stole his ent- or did creative stole his entire thing. Basically, I mean, like you know, they're gonna let her run with that for a while. So he's yep. just gonna be a guy that randomly fucking shows up. That's weird. Well, I hope the best for him, and especially if he's dealing with any depression related to, or just in general, but related to John Huber's passing and. Creative direction. I obviously hope he gets through that. He's got a wife and child, so whatever. I hope he comes up with something else. He's got a lot of ideas, and then we'll see him sometime soon in the future. Try to <laughs> try to make a good idea stay a good idea while WWE Creative decides to destroy it. Yeah, and I, I should everything I just said. Uh, that's not him as a person. I hope that he gets mentally healthy and and appreciate him and his kids and all that stuff. Like, uh, I'm just talking about Bray Wyatt as a wrestler. So don't get me, get at me on Twitter, but like him as a human being, like he's never done anything to me. So everything's going on in his family life is, uh, a okay. And, uh, sending him well wishes. If he's having trouble with the, the death of his friend, that sucks. All right. Well, let's move on. Uh, since that became about Bray, well, it was a good conversation. I, I enjoyed it. Anyways, uh, match Bianca Belair uh, versus Bailey um, for the championship. 
almost 20-minute match. These ladies kicked each other's ass. It was a pretty good match. Um, apparently, the rumor is, Chris, and who knows what the fuck is true or not, that this might be building up to Bailey and Bianca in a hair-versus-hair match, which Bailey will solidify herself as kind of the modern Molly Holly in a lot of ways, if you think about it. Um, if that were to happen, I don't think that they should do that, honestly, because, you know, that's a big commitment, and I hope a huge paycheck if that happens. But I thought they had a good match, and Bianca ended up getting the win. It looks like they're still moving forward to Bailey and Bianca. They've had Sasha off to kind of keep her away from it, probably to make a big entrance once again uh, to go back for that title. So interesting stuff to do in between. Uh, how did you like this match? I thought this might be the best match on the entire pay-per-view, personally. I, I liked it a whole hell of a lot. Um, the hair versus mask or hair versus hair concept, I, I just don't believe WWE will ever pull the trigger on it because they had this shot with Andrade and, and Ray for hair versus mask kind of thing, and, and they didn't pull it there. So I just, you know... We'll probably get a WWE booking on it, but this match itself was really great. Yeah, I have to agree with you. I think the last three matches were all very strong, um, especially the, the uh, ladies, uh, you know, uh, SmackDown Championship match and the men's Universal one. But the next one was a fun match of three guys that all decided, uh, or at least uh, I feel like Drew McIntyre mostly, that they were going to try to do high flying spots and shit, which is fucking nuts. A triple threat for the WWE Championship, Bobby Lashley, the champion, against Braun Strowman and Drew McIntyre. And uh, I'll give Drew the the MVP to me, uh, besides MVP, who was there, um, of this match. Uh, it kind of, there was Bobby Lashley dominating a lot. They both took out Braun. He ta- they fight up the ramp, Bobby Lashley and Drew McIntyre. He gives Drew a gnarly suplex on the ramp itself. They fight over by what's supposed to be like electric boards and whatnot and pretty cool effect that they've done many times in the past. Drew McIntyre throws Bobby Lashley through some panels, electricity everywhere, keeping Lashley out of the match for a good majority. And then Braun and, and Drew were just like doing cross bodies and fucking, you know, lots of stuff. Drew did an excellent, and he only brings it out of pay-per-views, which I appreciate. Uh, Topicon hero uh, over the top back or front flip, uh, onto Braun. Braun gave a running powerbomb through the fucking announce table to Drew McIntyre. Uh, but it would be Bobby Lashley getting the better um, after a Claymore taking out Drew McIntyre. Bobby would come back in the ring, spear uh, you know, Braun Strowman for the win uh, and retaining the championship. But yeah, I like this. Um, I know it's going to be Drew versus uh, Bobby Lashley eventually. I'm just wondering, kind of, it's always floated out there in the industry that is Brock going to come for either Roman or Bobby? And uh, I don't know. You know, there's no there's no contract that's been confirmed with Brock with WWE as of right now. But things could change, especially when they go back on the road. Um, and we'll talk about that as well. Like I keep on saying, so much stuff to cover. But what the fuck? But uh, how'd you like this match, Chris? Was it a bunch of big guys trying to act like little guys? <laughs> It really was, and like it's like Drew McIntyre sat backstage and he's like, "Let me watch some early Midnight Express or Rockers film, hitting high cross bodies and stuff." It was wild. Um, 
I will say Braun got his life saved by Drew McIntyre because he fucking totally whipped on a move. I guess he was, I don't know if he was trying to do a somersault or whatever the hell he was trying to do off the apron. And out of nowhere, Drew McIntyre runs and catches him and saves his life. Uh, so that was like a standout moment, like botch kind of thing. But the rest of the match was good. It's big men slapping meat. In 14 minutes, and they were able to put a lot into a small amount of time, honestly. Yeah, and I mean, like, even though, I mean, Lashley won, he didn't make McIntyre look weak. I don't know what this does for Braun at all. He's kind of just an afterthought here. He's the big show. I mean, that's really what it is. He's at least got a championship win and beat who? Goldberg for it. Just let him have that, and he's a good guy to... Man, can you imagine 2016 Braun Strowman, though? What the fuck? Yeah, dude's over here flipping over ambulances. <laughs> you have a matchup with him and Brock. Yeah, that would have been the time to pull the sugar on it, not like uh, make Bobby Lashley. Was Bobby Lashley's lost like four matches in a year and a half or two years or something ridiculous like that? Yep. Yeah, apologize it's in the background weird. for any uh, barking dogs, everyone. I'll keep up myself muted in between, but uh, my roommates, uh, their, uh, well, I should say my female roommate's um, brother just came in town, so he's meeting the dogs for the first time upstairs, and they're douchebags. So just to let you know, clarify. What were you going to say? Also, my, I was going to say my long guy also decided he was going to show up. I don't know if you guys heard that, but it was pretty fucking terrible. Well, I didn't hear that. I hope you don't hear a bunch of barking. On my end, but we'll we'll continue and just be uh, you know, just worried about it the whole entire time. Oh, it's done on my side. All right, last match. Uh, I really enjoyed this match. Roman Reigns, Cesaro, WWE Universal Championship. You know, um, these guys just kick the living shit out of each other. I don't think that there's any way to say it a different way. Um. Cesaro's so good, man. I love his uppercuts. They're probably the best in the industry. Uh, just making those look so fucking devastating and getting the better of Roman. I, I'm, I'm trying to think of like certain aspects of this match that I thought were extremely impressive. Oh, I just thought of the Falcon Arrow that Drew gave uh, Braun Strowman. That was fucking awesome. Sorry, uh, that was the last match, but that popped in my head. So what are you going to do? I kind of like... I know that some people feel different because Paul... Sh- Heyman should be the heel manager, but I like that he treats Roman like Brock. And even though Roman does a lot of heel stuff where he gets himself out of shit, it's like he can prove himself and do it himself. And he almost like doesn't want Paul to get involved because I think a lot of people expect Paul to because of his past and his managing style. But I like this match um, and I like the way it ended. I like the, you know, they're going back and forth on locks and just doing basic wrestling and he got him in that that uh headlock guillotine and uh choked his ass out cesaro didn't even you know uh there was no interference nothing cesaro just lost but he had a great match a great showing afterwards jimmy doesn't come out but obviously jay does gives him a kick and then i think hinting at the future down the road seth rollins comes out it looks like he's coming for roman he doesn't give a shit. He's still pissed off about the loss at WrestleMania to Cesaro. And he looked like Jimmy Hart. He really did. I know this drip, like, I'm going to sound so fucking old. This drip culture or, or style is popular. And I've heard a lot of female commentators that, that review this stuff that 
think that he looks awesome and apparently his outfits are expensive. Maybe it's the same equivalency to Macho Man Randy Savage with his ridiculously expensive sequence stuff. Um, but I think he looks ridiculous most of the time. But uh, yeah, he looked like Jimmy Hart came out, kicked the shit out of Cesaro. They're building up more sort towards their uh, continued rivalry, I guess. And uh, it just seems like when are they going to pull the trigger with all this hinting on Seth and Roman, the ex-best friends going at it. Um, you know, Sean versus Diesel, Sean versus Triple H situation, if you will. Uh, but I, I really enjoyed the match. I thought it was I thought it was really well done, and Cesaro looked like a fucking boss in it. Yeah, I have to agree with you. I feel a little bad about Cesaro just because he didn't really get a full push. He just kind of got like a bunch of beatdowns on the Usos and then thrown into a title match, which he lost. And then, uh, I mean, they booked Roman pretty strong because he was like, don't come to the ring. (laughs) I'm just going to murder this guy. So that also made Cesaro look kind of bad. But yeah, like... In ring wise, I thought this this might be one of Roman's best matches of the year. Yeah, he had a great match back to back with Daniel Bryan and Cesaro. <laughs> Turns out, good wrestlers have good matches. Uh, Weird. Uh, with the Seth Rollins stuff, though, the I, I don't know about the. I'm not going to speak on the drip, but wasn't he like a. I, I thought he looked. I thought he had more drip when he looked like Snake Pilskin from <laughs> Escape from New York or whatever, <laughs> with the blonde streak, little Cruella Deville. That's that's where the actual drips at. Um, I think he's the cleaner dude. I, I think they're gonna go that route. Like he'll be the AJ Styles coming in, taking over the club or the Bullet Club or whatever. Seems like they're going that route. It could be, and I really like some of the stuff that they did with Jimmy and Jay. Still, Jimmy uh, last or yeah, last night on SmackDown, he got a tag match against trying to get the Usos back in the tag uh, division against the Street Profits, which is a fucking dream match to watch. And uh, Jay wasn't happy about it because they didn't get it finalized from Roman. And Jimmy's like, "Are you fucking kidding me? Like, I know he's our cousin, but he's been holding your ass back." And we're brothers, and we have a tag team, and we have championships to take. And then Roman looked like he uh, told Jay he's not allowed to later on. Not by saying it, but just by the body language when he uh, wanted to talk to him about it by himself. So, weird dynamic. I, I like I like how they're doing this with the Usos. I really do. Would you Would you buy a Roman Reigns shirt that said whole fucking show on the front of it, and the back it just said Reigns? <laughs> sure. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, because that, I mean, that's what it is. So like when they're having this argument, like if I'm Jay, I'd be like, he's carrying the title. He's literally the reason we have a job kind of thing. You know, like it's, it's just weird. The whole dynamic between Jimmy and Jay, like I get it, but uh, the build up's a little weird for me. It's still great. It's just weird. I gotcha. And uh, yeah, that was, that was the amazing pay-per-view. And uh, let's start some news items, Chris. Oh, actually, we'll talk a little bit about some of these uh, documentaries. We had a couple, you know, we didn't do two weeks of shows. So, Two Dark Sides of the Ring, 
One about Nick Gage, one about the Collision in Korea pay-per-view in 92 from WCW in New Japan. Um, Shawn Michaels and Booker T had their uh, biography uh, with A&E. And then uh, part of the, I don't know if it's Icon series on the network, RVD had a pretty uh, good paper or a pretty good documentary. Love learning about a lot of these wrestlers. I thought all these documentaries were excellent. Um, Booker T and HBK to me, have been two of the best ones they've done recently. I will pull towards Sean because, well, he's my favorite wrestler, and I'm glad that he was honest and very in detail of of what the fuck he went through. I love Jim Cornette, how he said he watched it, and he goes, you know, it almost makes me wish that I tried to become friends with them after I heard he changed so much because it looks (laughs) like he really did, but he was a fucking asshole back in the day, so, you know, just going off on that aspect but my my, i'm really uh, i just have this weird fascination with nick gage and it kind of ties into one of our news items uh that happened last weekend but uh what do you think what were ones that stood out to you chris i mean booker t robbed 28 wendy's so (laughs) i did not know that about him and that stood out to me Kind of front and foremost. Motherfucker. I mean that, that it's just such a great story of Booker T kind of redeeming himself and, and getting the custody of his child back and by robbing a drug dealer. Like that's just like a really cool ass story. The Sean stuff I've already heard. Right? Like the the only thing that was there that uh was a little bit of meat on the bone was people talking kind of like about him getting his head slammed in by the Marines. Um there was a few things here and there, but a lot of that stuff I had heard. But it was still good, and it was really good to hear Sean just be completely honest about it. Because there's been so many shoot interviews where he kind of skirts around it. And in this one, he's like, yeah, no, I was a fucking dick, and I did a lot of cocaine. Uh, that was kind of a first. If you've been listening to podcasts or shoot interviews with Sean for a long period of time. Uh, the Nick Gage stuff is just fucking wild. I don't know. <laughs> But we knew it was going to be, even talking about it two weeks ago. Um, but my favorite, if I had to pick my favorite, was the Booker T one. I, I just think it's such an inspirational story. Uh, I didn't necessarily like when they got to the WWE and they skirted over kind of what happened to Booker T in the WWE. But his rise to fame and... Um, Kind of the Vince Russo stuff I probably would have put more emphasis on when he actually won the title, because that was a huge lawsuit between Hogan and WCW. But, it, I mean, it was still it's still a great story. Like, Booker T. They didn't go over G.I. Bro. I don't know why. <laughs> they showed us all this fucking footage of G.I. Bro, and they didn't talk about him being becoming G.I. Bro again when, uh, was it like, I guess... No, wait. It was Hugh Morris, General Erection. General Erection, uh, Major Guns. Uh, <laughs> who's the, the wall? A wall. Well, somehow Stevie Ray won the name T, him and Ahmed Johnson. So that's why he had to become like. It, it's so ridiculous. WCW was not great back then. When he became Booker T, and that was good. And uh, they tried to save it, but that was a very bad show when Russo was there circa late 99, early 2000s to 2001. So did you hear about the statements about Booker T, about what was considered the stuff that was taken out with the Triple H shit? 
No, what did he say? What did did he say? Fuck that guy. Why don't you go pick a dick dip out of uh, Sean's mouth? (laughs) No, it was actually the opposite. Um, If I can get the exact quotes, he was talking about it on his podcast. Uh, and he maybe documentary. I'd like to get the exact quotes. But I just thought about it. Uh, well, while you're doing that or looking it up, I'll, I will talk like some of the stuff in the Sean documentary, just from the Triple H perspective. I've never really he- heard him. I know he talked about taking care of Sean, but the extent he was taking care of him is kind of ridiculous. Like wheeling him around in uh, like the hotel luggage cart and pulling the dip out of his mouth, like I, I mentioned earlier, so he doesn't choke on it and die. And Sean talking about how I was only sober for 23... No, I was only sober for 20 minutes a day. The other 23 hours and 40 minutes, I was on pills. Shit was wild. Like, Because you never really heard Sean yeah. and Triple H really talk about it. We always knew it was a thing, but this is the first time I think they actually came out and were very, very honest about it, in my opinion. Well, and, and think about it, for Hunter's sake, when he came in, he was the odd man out, even, I think, at that point, popularity-wise, even Xbox, uh, when he was 1-2-3-Kid, had more, he was more known. He was a sober guy, but also understood the industry, had been in it for a while with <laughs> what terrorizing and WCW and whatnot, and um, probably looked up to Sean, probably you know thought that Sean was one of the rising superstars, and obviously he was at the time, and then afterwards for it to become where Hunter's making his mark, still having to take care of what he considered a legend and now is one of his best friends. And just the story about when Sean apparently was going to be involved with the storyline with the WWE, uh, WCW invasion, and there the night where Vince did the simulcast and was just completely belligerently hammered and fucked up and just everyone trying to get rid of him so he wouldn't make an ass out of himself. And Hunter just letting him have it, you know, it, it's got to be kind of, it's got to be frustrating to see someone going through that, that you respect and are also friends with. Um, and I'm glad that Sean for, you know, with, with finding God or whatever, having a family was able to get over his troubles. Um, yeah, it just, that's gotta, that, that's gotta be a pain in the ass, especially at that point where, you are married to the boss's daughter and you are climbing that level of trying to get in within the family business dynamic, if you will, in the early stages. Yeah. And he was also Sean's number two with DX. So there's a lot of weight on you in general. Uh, some of the stuff about Mike Tyson was very interesting. Uh, yep. Specifically- well, there was one glaring, uh, glaring part of his career that was missing though. Do you know what that is, Chris? What is that, bud? Well, you know, when he came back, obviously it was him and Triple H. They tried out that match. Sean realized that he could work. His back was doing better. He got surgery. It was a miracle, whatever the fuck you want to look at. Um, And then came back full time, had the Elimination Chamber match. Won, beat Triple H again after that to kind of end and resolve their feud. Dropped a little while, but then had a series of, of feuds. And I think the most notable feud outside The Undertaker and Triple H in my opinion, throughout the 2000s, was his with Chris Jericho, starting off in one of the best early matches in a WrestleMania pay-per-view, kind of not sealing the show, but 
I mean, it's up there uh, where him and Chris had that fantastic match, and at the end, Chris kicked him in the balls. Uh, and then that always being an on and off feud, Chris leaves because he's done. He comes back, has this new persona. Uh, then him and Sean start their rivalry. Uh, Chris accidentally nails his his uh, wife in the face trying to do obviously a worked uh, punch and uh, really actually kind of piss off Sean, but starts this huge rivalry, has one another one of their best matches in either of their careers, along with their WrestleMania match of the latter match between the two of them, and still had a great feud. And then obviously, then we have him retiring Rick, and then a couple, what, three years later, going against Undertaker with those two amazing matches. I would have also ended with... The match, you know, explaining that Triple H would have a next match the year after that, but then also Sean being a part of the fourth match and that being the end of the era kind of thing. I just think that there was an obvious reason why Chris Jericho just wasn't mentioned as a part of Sean's accomplishments. Because other than that, maybe the Owen feud or, or, or some of the Davey feud would have been okay, but it's definitely, you fucking kept out Chris Jericho for a reason. You mean that Judas, the man of a thousand and four holds, and some of the he had forgotten over the years, according to him <laughs> and Dean Malenko? I love that segment, <laughs> by the way. Uh, yeah, now that was a weird one. And then also, and I, I think you actually said this, but uh, like the the three way match with Undertaker, where he's the special guest referee with Undertaker and Triple H. Like, I know that's not the like, of the era. That's not Sean's retirement match, but them all walking out holding each other up was a great fucking moment. If you're a wrestling fan, if you live through all of that, that was like a really cool moment. Um, so for them just kind of like, I don't even know if they talked about it. They just glance over it. I, I don't even, I don't think they talked about it. Right. Nope. Yes. Yeah, I, I mean, there was a lot of stuff they talked. I mean, Sean has had so many good matches and he, it's such a long career we did get to see great footage of him wearing oh. women's tank tops and working out <laughs> with uh lothario <laughs> early yeah days. yeah that was pretty funny no but you know it's another person i mean i feel like partially well it would also have been fun for the SummerSlam with him and hogan just hearing sean's reasoning and maybe hogan's reasoning of what the fuck happened since that was supposed to be really volatile. Uh, but him and Cena, that was huge for Cena's career as a champion. Their WrestleMania match inspired Chris Jericho to get back into wrestling, which I also thought was a great match. I thought that he had a great rivalry with John Cena. But I guess you can't do everything in an hour and 30. Yeah, I mean, Shawn Michaels is just so synonymous with WWE to me, maybe even more so just because of my time period than Hulk, because I was so young when Hulk was so big. You know what I mean? But like Shawn Michaels, like he was the guy and was the guy for a long him time. And Taker. Like him and Taker were the guys to me. And I guess Bret Hart for a little bit of time uh, during that. But like those were the guys for me. It wasn't like I mean, I love Warrior and Hogan and Macho Man, all this stuff. But I, I kind of. You know, I was born in 88, so, like, watching a lot of that stuff was me running it at Blockbuster <laughs> versus watching them live on TV. So, like, for me, Macho Man was, like, for a long time was WCW. 
Um, and Shawn Michaels yep. is just this weird, cocky asshole doing very different stuff. And I mean, it, it it seems like a lot of his personality bled into his character. And some of some of that is the best stories, but it's also like kind of the most tragic story <laughs> of where the well, the, if you think about it, you know, him and Marty. Marty brings this other side out of him when he's uh, this Christian boy is now seeing drinking and then drug use. And then flips that and then makes himself this sexy boy concept. And I think you're right. I think he became that person. Yeah, it was kind of heartbreaking hearing Marty be like, I always knew that it was going to end at some point in time and that he was going to be the guy because he was better looking than I was. So if anyone was going to have a single run, it was him. <laughs> kind of. mm, poor Marty. Yeah, like, like no, I'm, he's he's such a weird tragic character like his life in general marty specifically after i mean he he was there like one more year he had like some intercontinental title shots but i mean after sean took off that was kind of it for marty i mean he, he he bounced around and did stuff obviously but it, it was well, wcw hard. wanted him to be kind of their sean or at least be able to push him to a huge level, but it was drug use that fucked that up as well. Yeah, and I think Brian Alvarez actually said it on his bike when they were reviewing this. He said, like, Sean wasn't necessarily always the best person in the ring, <laughs> if you're talking about him and Marty Jannetty, uh, which I think... Sta- you know, Marty was Marty- good. Marty's fucking good in the ring, but he wasn't Sean. There's something about Sean that's just... I think it's I think it's his ability to step it up to the next level, like the the killer mentality, like a big show. Sean has that next level, kind of like Michael Jordan. Like, let me turn this on. Like Kobe Bryant. Like they have that extra storytelling level. aspect, selling aspect, just everything. When he climbs the person like Jericho Undertaker to get back up, to get back in their face, and just like flicks them off or something. Like you know, he's he's incredible. But yeah, Marty, I think, was overall the more experienced high flyer, period. He was incredibly athletic. Yeah, I, I think technically. I mean, over the years, Sean just got better and better and better, <laughs> which is just fucking ridiculous. Fucking sponge. It's it's he's just he's ridiculous. Like go watch, like anyone listening out there. If you don't think if you think I'm overhyping it, watch like a 1980s like match with him and Janetti and then watch like him versus Taker because it's ridiculous. He's not doing as much, but it looks way more impressive. It's absolutely crazy. Like how good he got over the years. And, and, and like I said, I mean, they don't call him Mr. WrestleMania for no reason, right? Like he has that ability to turn it up. Like, you know, everyone else's answer at 11 or 10 and he cranks it to 11, you know, like spinal tap, <laughs> like there's something. Yep. Something that clicks with Sean. It's a big match. He's going to have a good match. Even even with the Taker match where he's talking about hurting his back. Like, dude dislocated, like, or separated, like, two vertebrae or something. And he finished that match with uh, Taker. And he looks at Jim Ross. He's like, I hope you see this. Like, while he's in pain. And then just hits a pitch-perfect elbow drop. You're like, this guy, like, <laughs> I mean, he's crazy. <laughs> And you shouldn't do that if you're hurt. But at the same time, it's that extra gear. It's it's nuts. Okay, so let me let me do this quote so we can talk a little bit about uh, some of the other stuff with the biographies because I found it. But this was Booker T, and I obviously 
even though I think I do a decent Booker T impression, I will not be doing that. So he was talking to, to his co-host on a show, and he says, okay, um, oh, no, he's talking about the director of the thing. And he goes, okay, Dennis Jr. talked about it, the storyline about how can it be pulled from the biography. It was never supposed to be there, Booker T said. It makes it seem like there was a whole lot of meat and potatoes on the bone of the story of Booker T versus Triple H at WrestleMania 19. And personally, I never have given that story a whole lot of credence. To me, it was just a championship match that I lost. I understand where some fans are coming from since as a young black kid, I looked up to my heroes as well, but I've never looked at my career and framed it around one match. I got paid more money for that one match than I got paid for any match in my life. I'm not going to complain about that. End of the day, it's about taking care of the family. When people say to make stuff out of something such as racial issue for me, that was not what my story was about. And then he went on and said, my documentary was not just about one match or one angle. It was about taking whatever I had in my career and turning it into something. I never cared if I was on the mid card or I was doing GI bro opening the show or if I was in the main event. So that's what Booker said about it. All right. So let Chris Patton say something about it, I guess. Um, the problem was not the angle necessarily. It was Triple H was dominating everyone in general, regardless of race and creed. So you have this great thing with Booker T where he's going to come in and he could be this huge star and then you just have Triple H beat him. And Triple H was beating everyone. Like, even when Triple H lost, he didn't really lose. Um, so, I mean, that that goes a lot into it. <laughs> but, I mean, I get what Booker's saying. Like, money's money. Like, get your paycheck kind of thing, which is fine. And I love Booker T so much. But he deserves so much better than uh, what they gave him that Triple H angle. So, if he wants to be humble about it, he still works for the company. Totally get it. Two-time Hall of Famer. Who am I to question Booker T? But uh, I am going to disagree. Also, a, a five-time, five-time, five-time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. But um, let's move on to some of the other stuff. Uh, Nick Gage, man. I will, uh, will just say, to wrap up the other two, watch the Collision in Korea documentary because it is frightening. And if you didn't know a lot about North Korea, especially during the early 90s, once their old um, emperor died and then Kim Jong-un, the one before this, the newer one, his his father, took over uh, just a culture shock. And guys, you know, coming off airplanes with a bunch of army people with guns, escorting them everywhere. And Eric Bischoff going on a run in the morning, not realizing he wasn't allowed to. And citizens coming outside and just being terrified of him. And the three channels that they had on their television and just Scorpio Sky, or not Scorpio Sky, um, Too Cold Scorpio almost fucking stabbing Hawk to death, uh, but then working out with them and tensions and just, they thought they were okay because they had Ric Flair, Muhammad Ali, and Tony Onoki and just little to no information a lot of the Americans about this and just realizing that they got themselves into some crazy situations, including Scott Norton getting his, uh, his phone tapped uh, while he was talking to his wife, in which he couldn't talk to for like three days. And just complaining about where they were and then getting taken in and yelled at by one of the generals. And he thought he was going to get shot, basically. So 
just a crazy fucking character study. And the RVD one was really good. A lot of fun. And I think it's kind of promoting that we might be seeing RVD in the ring for WWE uh, sometime soon in the future. But loved learning that early in the day, they were promoting him as uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme's brother uh, because he could do the leg split and a lot of the kicking. And kind of back when he was younger, looked like him. And he would have to fake a Belgian accent. I found that funny. But those two things. Collision Korea, man. Fucking crazy shit, Chris. Crazy and scary at the same time. Because it wasn't that far. uh, It wasn't that long ago that there were people trapped in a different country for four days. Yeah. You know, like, that. it's a wild story. Um, I haven't seen the doc yet, that particular one. But I know the details of that story, and it's it is a little wild. Um, with with RVD, did they go into the Terry Bunk like Sabu training him stuff, like Sabu and Sheik training him? Yep, they went into. They, it was a really well done documentary about his whole career. Very very well done. But we we'll definitely That's- check it out. The Yokozuna one, the Beth Phoenix one were great too. I'm glad that we have all these great documentaries from three different uh, companies, basically. Yeah, I I thought the Yoko one was very, very well done, and they left a bunch of stuff I didn't expect them to leave into uh, a WWE-made documentary. Like, when they're talking about people sneaking in uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken to Yoko a bucket at a time Uh, (laughs) while he was in, like, Betty Ford Clinic for weight loss. (laughs) It's kind of wild. Yeah. but they talked about it. They did talk about it. So I, I'll give them props for that. And uh, yeah, I got I got to watch the Rob Van Dam one. That sounds awesome, especially if they're talking about Sabu. I, was Sabu actually on the dock? Or I mean, yep. Okay. All right. So yeah, just you got to get there for the Sabu. I'm pointing to the sky right now. And uh, I I definitely want to end with the Nick Gage one. Just learning about his life. I love. And this is something that they've said, is that the producers of Dark Side of the Ring, it's the Dark Side of the Ring, but they always try to find the human element uh, within these documentaries. And it's kind of a fucked up redemption story and just how Nick lost his mom and his dad within the same time period, uh, really close to his mother. And then his brother, who kind of looked at Nick as the fuck up because he went to jail for drugs, obviously, and robbing a bank. Yes, robbing a bank. Uh, but then he got into it really bad and ended up getting chased by the cops and jumping off a bridge. Like, talk about a tough life and going down this weird rabbit hole, Chris, of what Chris Jericho called the horror genre of professional wrestling. And it's when you put it that way, if you say like the death metal of, of professional wrestling, you know, you can say that something's supposed to be a certain way, but there's really a bunch of subgenres and it's more about the the players themselves and the genre of wrestling, you know, that's really what it breaks down to. And I mean, a lot of it's hard to watch. I watched not only a vice documentary about tournament of death, but then started watching, you know, between, oh man, sick Nick Mondo matches and Zandig's matches and what I could find from Nick Gage. CZW has a YouTube page, but they all have like one minute segments. So they'll have like a, a, a section that's just for Adam Cole or a section that's just for Nick Gage or John Moxley, but their interviews and then little parts of matches. I would actually love for them, maybe GCW as well to kind of give us 
some type of online access. It's fascinating. I mean, I used to be fascinated, but also disturbed with what I saw from not only ECW, but getting tapes from FMW and seeing stuff like this. This is a long evolution since the Texas death matches uh, that got inspired by Onita to take it up a level with FMW, that inspired Philly to take it up a level with ECW, that inspired these guys to fucking take it up a level with F or with uh, with with their promotion of CZW and now with Game Changer Wrestling, but. Nick is a, in a lot of interviews, like the one he did with Chris Von Vliet, comes off real, real. He's been through a lot of shit. He's not into drugs anymore. He got jacked compared to what he used to be because he was in prison for six years. No, no, no. He was supposed to be in there for six, get out for four for parole uh, for robbing a bank. And the reason why he was able to do that is because he didn't really actually have a gun. And apparently he was nice to the receptionist. Uh, this guy almost died at one of the tournament of death matches, had to get taken out by a helicopter, wanted to continue the match, flatlined for nine minutes, and then went back, uh, got him back, uh, you know, got set on fire in, in, in another match, and just the, the craziness of these crowds and how bloodthirsty. But Nick Gage seems to be their hero. And this is an industry in which Drew Gulak, obviously John Moxley, which we'll get into the ending part of what happened with Moxley and him. As of recently, uh, Sammy Callahan, your Eddie Kingston's. I mean, if you Shane Strickland, there's so many wrestlers that got their start at um, CZW. And like I said, great documentary about one of the tournaments of deaths from a couple of years ago, 2016, that Vice did as well. Just fucking craziness, man. I mean, it really is the horror of, of professional wrestling, uh, hardcore wrestling or deathmatch wrestling itself. And I think that after all of this, still having his wife and still wanting to and becoming bigger, especially after the David Arquette incident, which was fucking nuts. Um, pizza cutter to his head and then his mouth and then a light tube to his neck. Um, Nick Gage is more popular than ever. Uh, he was supposed to, but some shit went down. Supposed to be in one of the battle royals, but they replaced him with Matt Seidel last minute. Uh, and, you know, like I was alluding to, Chris, uh, this last weekend at one of their events, he is the, uh, the champion, Game Changer Wrestling champion, uh, which basically, CCW's done. It kind of died during the, the pandemic, and now they're taking over as that promotion of deathmatch wrestling and john moxley came out challenged him and they're gonna have a future fight and then apparently fought and there's videotapes of it uh all through las vegas just fighting in the streets and shit so uh nick gage man what a character study all right so let me start by saying there are good wrestlers and have been great wrestlers that pass through CZW. The problem is when you watch these tournament of death matches, they're not all that. You know, like Nick Gage is act, can actually have a good wrestling match. Necro Butcher can actually have a good wrestling match. But when you start getting into the lower part of that card, uh, there is just a bunch of people hitting, hitting people with shit. For no reason. Like, no psychology. They're just... They're just doming each other as hard as possible. Uh, and that's always been their thing, uh, to some extent, especially those tournament of death matches. Uh, like Sick Nick 
He's he's a great wrestler. I would I drew Gulak took over his spot as Sick Nick. He was like Sick Nick's twin or super fanboy that kind of looked like Sick Nick at one point. Yeah, yeah and I, other wrestlers like Brody Lee also was in it. Um trying to think of like some of the other huge names of wrestlers that that did all these death matches back in the day um abdullah the butcher's uh, protege abdullah kobayashi who is apparently a fucking psycho like when it comes to these matches <laughs> like there's some there's some cool names that people know and then there's these random people and this it's just it's such it's 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 like the uh the fucking uh, icp guys the the I forgot what the hell they're called. The meth crew. No, that's not it. Um, the, the Juggalos? There you go. The Juggalos. Um, you know, it's just a uh, different uh, fan base, but they're very dedicated. And I'm glad that him, his championship, is getting associated with all this wrestling, uh, you know, interaction. That Him and John Moxley are going to have a fucking awesome match. I, I could be wrong on this, and CZW fans, please let me know. But... When he was airlifted out, is that not the famous moment where Moxley subs for him in the tournament and, and they do the Sawzall spot? Where the guy. I think like, so. Yeah, like uh, Moxley is like, I was already like 10 beers deep, but I was like, fuck it. Like, if you go and listen to old Moxley shoot interviews, which he has a new autobiography coming out, which I cannot wait to read, that thing will probably be amazing. It's just called Mox. Um, but I'm pretty sure that is the story of what happened. I didn't realize it was uh, Nick, or not not Nick, but uh, no, yeah, I, I didn't realize it was Gage. Let's say that because uh, there's multiple Nicks. But uh, yeah, I didn't realize it was Gage that was in that situation. But he, that's what happened. He got airlifted out by a helicopter, and they were like, "Hey, uh, Moxley, how you feeling, bud?" He's like, oh, "I don't know. I guess I'll take a sawzall to the face." <laughs> I loved I loved his statement about that whole thing, and he's like. I know it's called it's called a tournament of death, but the the point is not to actually die. And Nick Gage fucking died for nine minutes in a helicopter. He wanted to wrestle when they were trying to get his side sewed up. Uh, What was he saying? There's actually audio. He's saying, just put some towels in there and put tape over it. Like you (laughs) crazy fucking psycho. But he's he's trying to entertain those fans, man. New Jersey Philly fans. They're crazy. Like, they love them. They, they travel to Delaware in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, it, it's 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 wild. And and I would say like this is not my kind of thing. And I I think there is a hard difference between CZ, uh, CZW and like what was happening in Japan with Japanese death matches, just because there's a lot more actual wrestling in those matches. I mean, there's still big crazy spots, uh, but there's some good shit to be had. Like, if you want to follow it, like, I would even say, like, Janela getting tossed off a fucking roof by uh, Zandig. If you look at the storyline of why he was fighting Zandig, that's actually pretty good, you know? <laughs> like, there's a lot of meat on that bone. It just depends on how much you want to dig, and I, and I really... CZW can just be a, a bit too much for me with Tournament of Death. And if you dig ultra-violent wrestling, then you'll fucking love all of the Tournament of Death stuff. I am really sad we didn't get to see Session Moth because <laughs> of COVID. <laughs> but she was going to be in tournament of the, the next Tournament of Death. <laughs> so I regret that. And as long as you don't look like, uh, what is it, the Crazy Monkey, uh, is it 
June uh, June Kase, that fucking he's been a part of every tournament of death. His back looks like oh man, it's just it's it's mutilated. Uh, yeah, some of these guys put their body through some harm, but you know they're yeah, also I... you got to realize there is a reflection, and it was uh, Conrad was talking to the producers, and yeah, they definitely go way above and beyond. But if you look at back in the day and people's fucking foreheads and Abdul the Butcher matches and Sheik matches and Brody matches and Dusty matches from even before then and, you know, some of the bloody fucking messes, Pat Patterson versus Sergeant Slaughter at Madison Square Garden, no holds barred, uh, the fucking at Starcade, the first Starcade with with uh, Valentine, Valentine and Piper in the strap match, uh, Ric Flair has gone through has been slammed in the thumbtacks before. You know, they have had pretty much every aspect of hardcore wrestling way before ECW. It's just now to the point where it's like, what can we do? All right, let's take light tubes and fucking f- fucking something that's that sticks into your head and bleeds out if it gets pulled out of your head and all this craziness. But it is an evolution and it does have its own genre and people do like it. I'm it. It does gross me out. It's it is like a horror movie. It's supposed to be shocking. Uh, the only difference is this is fucking real mutilation that you're watching. But I think I came to the conclusion that when it comes to really really silly comedic like stuff that you would see sometimes in PWG back in the day, uh, like Jushin Lager with the anal grab or whatever the fuck or certain things like that, comedy wrestling doesn't resonate as much as this does to me. I can at least be like, wow, they're, th- this is like live gladiators. There's a bunch of weapons everywhere, and they're fucking killing each other with it. And uh, David Arquette never should have got involved in that match. That's it. That That's my last statement on it. I would say for anyone that watches documentary and has not watched the David Arquette documentary about becoming a wrestler, definitely watch the Arquette one. Because uh, he goes way into more detail about uh, how he never wanted to be a WCW champion and how this was like supposed to be this big run as him just being an indie guy. And then Nick Gage, baby face, Nick Gage happens. <laughs> um, so I would, I would definitely recommend uh, that. Uh, CGW is just a weird show, man. Um, like I said, I mean, with GCW, it's the same thing. I mean, it's, not to the same extent as those tournament of death matches were, though. Like the the early ones with Necro Butcher and stuff. But the the thing that sucks is like I've heard Jim Cornette say like Necro the Butcher is a great fucking wrestler. Like he can yeah. outwork a lot of fucking people, but he's a CZW guy, so let's get some light tubes, you know. And and that's the part that sucks. Like it, everything doesn't have to be hardcore, and when you overdo it, you have to do it. You have to overdo every match. Everything has to be a little higher. It's the it's the what I would call the evil Knievel syndrome. Like after you've jumped over, you know, everything possible, what do you do? I don't know. I guess I'll shoot myself off the Grand Canyon in a rocket. You know what I mean? Like hopefully I don't uh, die. Uh, but to 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 give you credit and what you were saying, like Tommy Rich, the last battle of Atlanta, like that's just you know, that's just a crazy ass match where they got color and it looked brutal. You don't necessarily have to kill each other with light tubes and shit. I get it. I appreciate that style of wrestling. If there's a good story involved, I'll appreciate it. 
Um, Sabu and Terry Funk, that's a good example. Oh, my God. I don't think that's one of the gnarliest things, Chris, of them being so in like going through that table and being so connected and barbed wire that they couldn't get it out of like off of them for like 10 minutes. Like, oh, my God, that's violent. Yeah, and you're talking about Gage being like shove some paper towels in there. That's basically what Sabu did on the flight. He's like, give me some metal tape, medical tape, and just taped his arm up. Let's get it. And everything also, and we 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 weren't doing it last week. We didn't have a show last week, but you know everything that the late great New Jack did within the course of his career, and some of the fucking crazy things that he did. And that's another person that Cornette was. He was an excellent wrestler. He could talk. He decided to go down a darker path of trying to take it up a level, and that's what led him to ECW and whatnot. But, you know, some of these guys are great storytellers. John Moxley says that to him, Nick Cage can control an audience, and because his certain audience loves him. But let me kind of rotate that towards something I was talking about. Are you excited about the interaction between Gage and Moxley, the, the fact that they're going to be fighting for the title soon? They fought around Vegas. Um, I'm sure they're going to bring it up, possibly on AEW, but will you watch that match, that death match that I'm sure they're going to have uh, soon in the future for that title? Which, basically, GCW is now what CCW was, uh, to an extent. Light. Yeah, it's lighter, though. It's not... It's not. Well, there is no death. more... It basically took its place because there is no more CCW, so... Yeah, I mean, like, if you go back and watch those original Zandig matches and shit, like, it, it's not going to be like that. But it is going to be definitely a more ultra-violent version of wrestling. And I'm super stoked about this, because I think what will happen is Moxley beats him, and Gage shows up at AEW with respect for Moxley and helps him in Kingston out, which I've been saying for months. Like, I've been saying, like, get Nick, even before the Bayerf came out, I think if you go back and listen, like... Six weeks weeks ago, when we made the the baby face Nick <laughs> Nick Cage joke, it just kind of seemed uh, evident either him or Sick Nick Mondo helping Moxley because they gotta have somebody. They have to have somebody help Moxley in Kingston because they're just getting jumped by an entire group of people. I think the other the other uh, thing I threw out there would be like Suzuki, which that doesn't seem like that's gonna happen. So uh, I could what see I would these guys. What I would love, and they don't have to call it, you know, with the whole Carino thing, the extreme horseman, but just come up with some name. I would love to see, you know, I like your idea of Gage gaining respect for Moxley, or even if Moxley loses, them, you know, kind of embracing or whatever because they're boys, and then him coming out, helping them and Eddie Kingston. Sammy Callahan, this goes into our next, the, the, the first, you know, the next news item. Uh, that we're talking about is Kenny and what's going to be happening with his titles in the future. Sammy Callahan got fucked over in that match they had at the Impact pay-per-view. Moose ended up winning it, so Kenny's going to be going against Moose for the title at the end of July at Slammiversary. Um, So that's interesting, but for some reason in the storyline, Don Callis in Impact was worried about about Moose, but more on a wrestling level, but he knows that Moose will play fair-ish, he didn't want Sammy Callahan to win, because he thinks that Sammy's a fucking psycho. So, Kenny had the two brothers run out and beat the shit out of Sammy, causing him the match, and that's how Moose ended up winning. I think he beat Matt Cardona. It was like a five-man, but a bunch of great wrestlers. Actually, a really good match at their last pay-per-view, but to get into that, those four kind of represent hardcore wrestling, 
And I would love to see them as like a, a, a unit, like a group of guys that just goes out and just starts beating the shit out of their opposers. Even if they're the heels, they go and just destroy them. And uh, maybe they can take over once Moxley, if he does take any time off, uh, because Renee is literally about to pop. She was on Busted Open and she said that she is nine months pregnant and it's going to be any day now. So still weird how that's going to work out. But I would love Nick Gage, Sammy Callahan, John Moxley, Eddie Kingston, all good friends, all hardcore legends of the modern era in a fucking just a gang, basically, on AEW. Yeah, just something about that, and maybe if they get sick, Nick, that is a crazy... That, those are people you don't want to meet in the street, for sure, right? <laughs> like, yeah. in a weird back alley, like, you had too many drinks, and they show up, you're like, fuck. <laughs> uh, None of them. Which is which is perfect for that crew. Like, I don't want to fight Eddie Kingston and Nick Gage ever. <laughs> um, I think that's like, just such a great little crew. The only thing I will say is the timeline for new Japan has been fast forwarded about a, a serious injury with will. And uh. what does that mean for Okada and Okada versus Kenny? Cause I always thought that's where it was going is Okada versus Kenny Omega in america and then back in japan and then probably back in america well you know it's funny that you say that let's get into the whole kenny thing and then we're going to go in the will osprey thing next right afterwards kenny's got a lot of shit that he's going to be doing uh coming soon i mean for one obviously we have the match with him Pac, and orange cassidy i expect kenny to win that but what will be the next big person uh but it is confirmed Triple Mania is going to be on August 14th of 2021. Him and Andrade for the title. Uh, we have also, like I mentioned beforehand, Slammiversary this year will be on July 17th. He will be going against Moose for the Impact title. Um, I mean, is he going to beat all? Is he going to beat? Is he going to? I expect him to win against Puck. And uh, whatchamacallit, Orange Cassidy. But these are all really big obstacles. And not only that, if you go on the impact side, even if he beats Moose, Sammy wants his fucking blood because of the fact that he got fucked over for the title. And Sammy's been threatening Don Callis about killing Kenny, basically. Oh my God, you killed Kenny. You bastard. Anyways, and then also uh, Eddie Kingston, it was him and the Good Brothers against Eddie Kingston and uh, Finn Juice, and he beat uh, Eddie Kingston, um, or not Eddie Kingston, I'm sorry, uh, Eddie Edwards, was having great stuff with him and Kenny, and then ended up winning the match and kind of pointing at Kenny. So he's got three people, one with a title uh, shot with Moose at their biggest pay-per-view, Slammiversary, and then, or their second, one of their biggest, you know, Andrade at Triple Mania for the other title, uh, I don't know, man. Like, when's Kenny going to be dropping these, or does he just fucking keep on going? So my bold prediction for this is Kenny is going to drop the uh, the Triple A Championship to Andrade, but it's going to be via DQ because the belt can change with disqualification in Triple A. They don't have that weird WWE shit champion rule. So, like, if there's a DQ and you get fucked over, you just have the belt. I could see him still having the belt, being like, I never actually lost it. So he could still do the triple championship stuff if he wanted to. But 
they got to get that belt off Kenny. So I, I'm assuming that's what AAA is going to do. I could be wrong, but that that would be where I would go with it based on the rules they have set and the fact that they have Andrade there. Um, yeah, he's just dominating everyone else until they uh, pick the next guy, which to me is either going to be Okada or Moxley coming back after uh, Renee gives birth like three or four months. I guess parental uh, with maternity leave, paternity yeah. leave with a guy, paternity leave, I guess. But also Moxley doesn't seem to give a fuck, so maybe he just won't leave and <laughs> just win the title. I have no idea. He's he's a weird cat. I love Moxley, but he's a weird cat. Put the GCW ch- championship on the line. Um, it's just weird because Double or Nothing is definitely one of one of AEW's biggest pay per views. I think that and All Out would probably be their two biggest. Uh, TNA has Slammiversary, and I forgot the other big one, Bound, Bound for Glory, I believe. Are there a big two? Triple Mania is the biggest one. So he's got a lot of pretty stacked opponents. And they're playing the whole Orange Cassidy doesn't have a chance in hell, but he's also got Pac in that match. Still expecting to win it. But then Andrade at Triple Mania in August, and then late July, you know, going against Moose, one of their top guys. It's interesting. I think the title picture with the three titles that Kenny has, it's going to be interesting this summer to see if he has all three of them by the end of it. Yeah, I'm pretty set on the AAA with Andrade overcoming the odds and getting DQ'd and fighting off all of the club or whatever they're doing, and he wins the title by DQ. I feel pretty confident about that, and then just Kenny being a complete Kenny scumbag. spits on the belt. Yeah, spits on the belt or gets another belt that's the same belt. It's like, you didn't actually pin me, so it doesn't count kind of thing. Like Canadian rules versus American or <laughs> Hispanic rules, I guess. I. <laughs> I don't know. I could see him doing something like that, especially with Don Callis. But the the rest of it, Kenny's just going to carry that thing until they find someone to beat him. And uh, I don't know. Orange Cassidy is interesting. It just depends on how hard they want to send him because, uh, to me, he's their most over babyface. I know people don't like to hear that, but as a babyface right now, he's the biggest person in their company. I mean, they're having a three-way for the belt. There is a possibility they say, fuck it, we can get it back to Kenny and he can bitch about this. Pac loses to Orange Cassidy. But if that happens, if either Pac or Orange Cassidy somehow, which I doubt, were to take (laughs) off that title at double or nothing, I expect him to lose to Moose, and I also expect him to lose to Andrade and have a fall from grace then. If not, he's going to be dominating until, like you said, John Moxley comes back or some someone else. They can be. They can finally build Hangman or or some shit. I don't know. It's crazy. Yeah, like Okada is an idea. After, yeah, maybe directly after Okada wins this belt at G1, which I'm assuming is what they're going to do, is just put the vacant belt up at G1. Well, let's talk about that man, Velospray. Uh, unfortunately. Injured, uh, he hurt his neck. We don't know the severity. Not a lot of details have happened. It happened during a match that I believe they pre-recorded uh, because I was trying to find a clip of it. I couldn't find it anywhere. And uh, he's going to be out for six to however many months. He had to not only drop the Rev Pro belt, which he's been holding high, uh, you know, uh, probably bringing up their company, acting as if. Well, he's from he's from Red Pro, so it makes sense. But like acting as if it's as big of a title 
as the IWGP, but the new title that him and Kota Bushi have only been a part of the lineage now does not have a person holding it. So you got your Kota Bushis, who a lot of people weren't happy with uh, the length of his run, Tetsuya Naito's, and obviously, like I said, the, the guy that the title looks the best on, in my opinion, in that company, Kazuchi Okada. It already looked like they were building up to maybe possibly at the next Wrestle Kingdom, Okada against Osprey, teacher versus student, which they've done a bunch. But Osprey as the champion going against Okada, Okada getting uh, over him like he did this last one, but with the title involved. Uh, I hope the best for Will. Fucking sucks. He's an incredible talent. He was getting so much momentum. Uh, even jokingly over or online trying to pitch CM Punk to go against him. Um, and then going back and forth. Punk basically being like, dude, I love it, but I'm out of rest. I'm not wrestling anymore. And he's like, come on, you got that one last match. And whatever. Their back and forth was fun. But uh, God, that sucks. <laughs> that, that sucks for Will. I really feel bad for him. But Okada's going to have the belt in the next one ever. Either they put it up, like you said, for the G1 tournament, or they're going to have like a mini tournament that they're going to build for the title, or maybe they'll put like it down in a four way for the biggest competitors, you know, pick Tanahashi, Kota Bushi, fucking whoever makes the most sense. Okada's going to get that fucking title back is what I'm saying. Rainmaker. Rainmaker. I I, I think he's going to win it at G1, but if I had to have an outside pick, if I had to pick a dark horse, it would be Jay White. Jay's my second choice too, man. And he's someone that just, I don't know. He's a great heel with that title. Tanahashi, I think he's had it so many goddamn times. He's now bringing up the open weight title and making it look legitimate. He's, he's, he, I, you know, he's. It's like John Cena. It's not necessarily necessary, if that makes sense. And Coda, I feel bad for, but obviously him and Naito, it's they don't have a lot of faith in it. I think that they would actually put it on Jay White or Okada over the two of them. Unfortunately. Tanahashi almost falls into the weird Shawn Michaels 2000, the mid 2000s thing, right? Like, yep. I mean, he's, I, I know he gets compared to Cena because he carried the company for so long, but he, and so does Okada to some extent, just because he's just such, like, when you think of New Japan, you're going to think of those two names, or I will. Um, but yeah, I don't know, man. That, yeah, I think it's Okada or Jay White. Just depends on what you want to do. I'm assuming instead of uh, doing a Wrestle Kingdom match, you just speed everything up because all signs pointed to Will versus Okada in general at Wrestle Kingdom. In my opinion, I didn't think Will was going to drop the title until Wrestle Kingdom. But you know, Wrestle Geeks Alliance, me and Chris, we hope the best for Will. Just uh, the silver lining. We said that a lot as of lately, or at least I have is the Raymaker will have that title back around his yep. waist like he should. Yeah, and, and once again, shout out to Will, and I hope he's doing well and, and uh, recovers from his injury very quickly. It sucks that his title reign's been c- cut kind of short because it's been really good, honestly. Like, the stuff he's been doing has been very interesting to watch. Uh, so it just definitely sucks. They finally He finally got a reign, and it gets cut short, and it, it happens. Um, but it, it definitely sucks for him because he's been kind of on the mid card in New Japan for years and years. Um, what at least four years at this point. 
shit, what do I know? Maybe Tim Timotongo will show up and win the title. <laughs> what do you think, Dave? I think you're on mute, bud. Oh, I'm on mute. Okay, well, yeah, I'm down for Tomatonga doing anything. I don't care if he's going around the uh, the world in a fucking boat. I love Tomatonga. Um, let's talk about these firings, or I should say releases from uh, NXT. Uh, two of them in, in general that's going to be interesting to talk about. Uh, but we have Alexander Wolf, who lost on NXT and got kicked out of Imperium for losing. Uh, they decided to release him. Um, we have, I think this is the one that everyone was really confused on, Ezra Judge. Let me make sure, just by searching him real quick, but I'm pretty sure that, like, this guy, yeah, everyone, the, the, the producers in the back, um, all the, the, the coaches and whatnot, and a lot of his fellow wrestlers felt like this guy was going to be huge. Uh, he's a very, very, very big man. Um, formerly as EJ, uh, Nakuda, or I'm sorry, Naduka. Um, but six, eight, you know, he was in the Indies doing extremely well, came over here, has a great look, apparently can talk on the mic. He was just about to start coming on the roster and, uh, they obviously, like I said, took him out of the mix. He was another one of the people. Skylar's story is kind of like the female equivalent, who was Brandy uh, Lauren on the Indies, a part of Shine Shimmer, Evolved, and Impact Wrestling. Um, I don't know if she's still with Joey Janela, but she was for a long period of time. Um, but good wrestler, absolutely beautiful, uh, could talk. So a lot of people were thrown off by her. Vanessa Bourne, who's been a part of it for a while, uh, is gone. Jasmine Duke, a part of the uh, the Horsemen, uh, or the the you know Ronda Rousey's Horsemen, taken out. Uh, Kavita Devi, who is one of the Indian rep, uh, wrestlers that was trained by the Great Kali, that was over here. And then we'll get into the last three. Well, one of them was a referee that a lot of people were kind of people don't understand. Jay Clemens of why he was let go, uh, but. We'll, we'll talk about Mr. Drake and uh, the Velveteen Dream in a second. Um, but uh, all, out of all these names, uh, I don't know. How do you feel about some of these names? Makes sense. What was uh, what was number two for you, Dane? Uh, the guy that got released. I can't think of his name right now. Oh, um, are you talking about uh, the one that a lot of people saw potential as um, Ezra Judge? Yeah. Meltzer said that WWE is very dumb for that, and uh, they'll pay for it, basically. He compared him to like a young Lex Luger, and if groomed well, he could have that kind of size and uh, movement in the ring. And I know a lot of people look at Lex Luger and they're like, it's Lex. But like Lex in like 1996 was kind of a big fucking deal when he oh. went into the rack. <laughs> I will say, I used to think not as highly on Lex Luger. Guys, going to late 80s where he was trying, and... Um, you know, he was in a tag team with Barry Windham, and they were fucking incredible. He was moving a lot more. You know what happened to Lex? He met Hulk Hogan and other wrestlers that were like, why are you why are you doing so much in the ring? You don't have to. And he already wasn't that skilled anyways, but could do 
pretty good in the ring, so he just toned it down. And, I mean, can you blame him? No, I can't blame him. And I would also say, like, even when he toned it down, when he picks somebody up for the fucking torture rack, huge pop. Such Absolutely. a huge pop every time. Like, 96, 97, it doesn't matter. Pick a year. Lex picks someone up with the torture rack, they're popping. Uh, so for Dave to be like, I think he could have been like a Lex Luger if groomed properly, he'd have been a good guy, and sometimes a change of scenery. And he kept saying that, a change of scenery, <laughs> like this guy already has something else in mind. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and he brought up Ty uh, Conti, which I think is a gr- great comparison because I feel like she got astronomically better once she got to AEW, if I'm being completely honest. But uh, I don't know that, Vince, I don't know if you want to be losing big body cats like this, like, you know, 6'6", 280 pounds. Like, that's 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 in your wheelhouse, Vince. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you don't want to be sending those cats wherever they can go. So, it, yeah, it's weird. And he's like a natural bodybuilder. He did the uh, – God, why can't I think of his name right now? Uh, he he does he does the all natural bodybuilding uh, contest. I'll, tr- I'll I'll try to think of the name real quick, but yeah, he was he's super into that too. So like the guy's just like naturally jacked. Um, so that's very weird that that they let him go. Also, some of the female wrestlers they let go is is a little strange because they're eventually like EO is going to have to move up. Some other people are going to have to move up. You have to refresh the division, and you also you have tag belts now <laughs> so like worst case scenario you just put him in the tag team kind of thing um alexander wolf was also a bit weird for me but like how did you feel about the firings um alexander wolf kind of sucks but i expect now kind of more than ever of timothy thatcher and tomas champa are going to lose uh to the tag team champions which they just got a number one contender spot and they're going to lose, and then I think Timothy Thatcher is going to destroy um, Ciampa and join Imperium and replace. But I, Alexander Wolf, he'll get work, man. I mean, it sucks, but it would make a lot of sense for Impact. Uh, Eric Young already has his group that he's expanding, this heel group. I think that he would fit in really well there, and I know he's good friends with them. Ezra Judge... Ezra Judge and Brandy Lauren, I think, are going to AEW. I think they're both seasoned enough, and a lot of people see potential in both of them, and they were the ones that a lot of people were shocked that they got rid of because they were both about to come onto the roster. They hadn't even made their uh, – they hadn't even started yet. So um, I think that there's good stuff for them. Vanessa Bourne, I feel bad for her because she's been at NXT for a long time, but I think that – Coming from a dance background, you know, she wasn't the greatest in the ring. She was trying, and then we just didn't see her for a very long time, so I don't know exactly what she'll do. Jasmine Duke, I mean, she can go back to MMA. Um, yeah, and the other ones, it's just it's just whatever. Uh, should we talk about the big two? Well, I mean, I feel bad about Jasmine Duke because they brought her in to do the Four Horsewoman kind of thing with Rhonda when Rhonda was there and then she just got shelved essentially like wasn't the, yep. the entire reason they brought her in is like we'll have like Charlotte and Bailey versus you and Rhonda and then they never did anything with that and uh, they've been um, they've been repackaging Marina Shafir so she's about to come on in a big way and obviously she's married to Roderick Strong um, I don't want to 
I don't want to think to this level, and it means that I'm judging. But I mean, if you look at the two of them, the fact that Jazz or that Maria Shafir is more physically attractive might be one of the reasoning, which I think is kind of fucked up if that is. But um, you know, they are. They look like they're about to start pushing her, and the other one, the other part of the Horsemen, along with Shayna Baszler and Ronda, is uh, is done. They don't see anything in her. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Well, hey, worst case scenario, Impact's women's division just got a lot better, I guess. <laughs> she could <laughs> you know do some really cool shit. Yeah, like her and Jordan Grace. I'd, I'd watch that. All right, so let's talk about the two guys. Um, so Jake Clemens, who got fired, apparently, we just found out recently, uh, he got in an altercation with the gentleman that we're talking about, Mr. Drake uh, Warrants. I So funny. I just watched a match from CZW, and there had to have been 20 people at the fucking gym. But it was for the title. John Moxley was the CZW champion going against Nick Gage, who won it. And Drake, who happened to be an ex-CZW wrestler, uh, three-time champion. But I had no idea that he was, you know, from the deathmatch scene. But he's been a referee forever. Um... His tan is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, it always bothers me. But apparently this guy was a fucking nut job. He was promoting his uh, philosophies to a lot of people in the back. He is someone that is an anti-vaxxer. He is someone that there is audio out there of him screaming at basically the education board of their of the area of where, which he lives uh, for mandating that kids have to wear masks at school in between eating and whatnot. Uh, due to COVID, because he thinks that hiding their face uh, will make it easier for pedophiles or people in sex trafficking to get a hold of them. And um, just apparently said some racial-related stuff. Uh, I'm assuming talking about Black Lives Matters that really rub people the wrong way, and a bunch of other stuff that just pissed off people, even doing videos in his referee costume or NXT shirts outside of the fucking place. So I think there's a situation where WWE realized that it wasn't fucking worth it. And even though he had been there for a very long time, they were like, well, you decided to do some of this shit at our fucking facilities. Peace out, dude. You're paying the ass. So, um, <laughs> yeah, that's why he fucking got went. Maybe he can Surprise. go to GCW. <laughs> Surprise, surprise, the company that fired Earl Hibner fired this guy for showing up and being a fucking weirdo on video chat while white, like while wearing company swag. That's the other thing is like, uh, man, I, I don't even want to get into it. What I will say is he's one of the most annoying refs because he's the guy that gets into the mic. He's like, Do you give? Are you sure you don't give? It's uh, he's very over the fucking top and I hate his fucking tan line. Like you're talking about, like, yeah, why for... look like a microwave hot dog, dude? What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, for someone that, you know, apparently has said stuff unflattering, kind of racist, borderline stuff, I don't know exactly. Uh, it's funny that he tans himself so much that I feel like he's just trying to do permanent blackface or some shit. So fuck him. Yeah, and, and like, this is a weird scenario. It's like, how deep do we want to dive in? Actually, no one dive in on this guy because he doesn't fucking deserve the attention. Fuck this guy, honestly. Like, it's. F- All right, I'm done talking about this dude. 
that's that's where I'm gonna stand on this one. Fuck that guy. And uh, he also so, sucks as a ref. I never actually liked him as a ref because he's one of those fucking refs that tries to make the match about himself, and that's not your job as a referee. Watch fucking Earl Hebner work. Like, <laughs> hate it. Hated it. And the last person, the Velveteen Dream, who apparently might be going by the alias The Black Dream within Future Wrestling. All right, we... We know about the situation. We've talked about it. We've talked about the negatives. We, I've, I've broken down what exactly happened. Uh, there are a lot of fans out there that think that the way WWE handled this and the way they handle situations like this was not the best. So in this type of situation, uh, if they apparently didn't find anything, they did an investigation, proving that would have been great. And I believe wrestlers like Tommy Dreamer, like Mark Henry, they were having a discussion about this, that if there was uh, smoke to the fire overwhelmingly, that he would have gotten released when it happened. But instead, instead of letting the wrestler talk about it, try to prove his innocence, at least you know have an interview with someone, do something like that, um, if, if, if he was innocent, because we, we don't know 100%, uh, they just make him shut his mouth and they hope that people forget about it. And every time Triple H... Got asked about it. He said, we did our own investigation. We found absolutely nothing uh, of the claim, but this kept on coming up and it came up recently. And I think that we're, if, if, like in the situation where there wasn't anything, who knows, obviously, it just was a fucking problem with the company. And now it's starting to be speculated that the reason why he was at that Monday Night Raw on the back was to have what would be the last conversation with Vince McMahon about him being a part of the company. So this is a guy that a lot of people saw a lot of potential in. I did. John Cena, uh, Chris did. He'll admit that as well. Uh, John Cena wanted to work with him. The Rock was praising him as being someone great up and coming. He had a lot of issues in the back, which probably didn't help, of just being always in character, uh, apparently very MJF-like, and that some people get it, and some of the wrestlers just was frustrated with him uh, for a majority of the time. I'm not going to go in every fucking elaborate detail, but what happened last year, almost a year ago actually, is that some stuff was sent to three younger girls uh, on on uh, Instagram. Same, same exact conversation, basically. Uh, sending a picture of what people assume to be him, but a black male naked from the waist down. And an audio of saying something to the lines of like, how, or how are you guys doing today? Like it's a Velveteen Dream. No confirmation on that. Uh, WWE immediately went into it. Dream made a statement saying that he was hacked, and they're working on it. And then they both said that not, you know, nothing happened. Basically, it was all bullshit. So no idea if there was any settlement with the people that were involved. Nothing. We just don't know. If we're just taking the word of mouth from WWE. Speaking out movement comes on. We have that gentleman who knew Dream back when they were younger, um, who posted, you know, in reference to what happened, that he was a, a, a groomer, is the term, uh, for younger. He was 18 where he knew this kid that was 17. They were both training and wrestling. Dream just got done with uh, the season of Tough Enough that he lost, where Chris Jericho was his coach. Uh, they knew each other for a while, became good friends. Dream went to NXT. They didn't see each other for years. Like I said, he was 17 going on 18. Dream was 18 at the time. 
later on, once he talked to him as a Velveteen Dream, they did an over-the-phone um, talk, and Dream apparently made some comments about how great his body looked and making him turn around that made him feel uncomfortable. Now, both men were in their 20s, and he admits that there was nothing that happened when he was younger or even in between, but the fact is he thought that he grooms younger people. So that was that. That was thrown out, brought up many times again by that individual, and uh, yeah, no, no, there's no talk. Velveteen Dream didn't make any remarks. Like I said, the WWE wanted it to just go away, and I think that's a stupid approach, and if he did all that stuff, if he is a fucking scumbag, then I hope he gets no work. If he didn't do it, I would be spending this time trying to get someone that's willing to interview you to talk about what the fuck happened. And maybe Chris Jericho would be the guy willing to do that. He's He was his coach. He told him after he lost, he saw a lot in him. And uh, maybe on his podcast, he can get in, give his side of the whole entire thing. But I think this was a part where... People were wondering, hey, you fired all these people, but that guy's got all these allegations. Why the fuck's he still here? I just don't know if there's a lot of smoke with the fire of what happened exactly. That's just the way I analyze it. So apologize for saying all that and not shutting up, but I thought I'd just give out the facts. Chris, what the hell do you think will happen to the Velveteen Dream or if he's called the Black Dream or whatever in the future? I'm going to go ahead and get the first part of this off my chest. He's not been the same since he got injured in ring. Um, when he came back from that injury, he just wasn't the same. So I don't know what's going on with that. But Velveteen Dream was someone I was super high on. I thought he had a lot of potential in the ring and as a personality and was very weird and very androgynous and kind of just different than anything else WWE had where you could be like, you could strap the rockets to this guy. Uh, so I lost $20 because obviously that's not happening in, in WWE <laughs> on this three-year bet I had going. I was like, he'd be the next big thing. Like I thought he was going to be like the next rock if booked properly. I thought that he literally could be the next guy. So it sucks that he's going through this stuff. And, and once again, like the same as you, I'm not going to throw stones when you live in a glass house as 50 cent wraps, right? Like, I don't, I don't know what his life is <laughs> or what happened. I will say that if uh, WWE is not taking up for you, some shit happened. And there's probably incoming lawsuits that WWE don't want to pay for. Uh, because, like, if you like look Enzo. around. Yeah, but Enzo, but they already didn't like Enzo, though. You know what I mean? Like, the, Enzo was not on the same pedestal as Velveteen Dream. Like, even Triple H yeah. and Vince thought Velveteen Dream was going to be a huge deal because it's smart. He should have been. Um, but yeah, like, like uh, think more of like uh, Matt Riddle, Austin Theory. Like, some of this stuff does disappear. This one doesn't seem like it's disappearing. And maybe WWE don't want to spend a bunch of money and get drug into court over it. Uh, and I know that's a it's a weird way to think about it, and, and, and it could set on the court and be fine. But uh, I mean, we're it's still business. talking about it's business. I mean, if you're WWE, like you got dealt the hand you got, right? Like, so whatever cards you have in your hand, that's what you have. Like, it's not like they told Velveteen Dream to go out and and be a fucking weirdo on Instagram <laughs> or etc. Even allegedly, let's say let's we'll go with allegedly, right? 
Um, but I mean, Marty Scrolls in the same situation, right? Like Marty Scroll, like two years ago, Ugh. before all this stuff came out, he was. Everyone thought he was groomed to be like next Kenny Omega. Like everyone, well, Mar- thought he was Marty. Kenny Marty Kenny. made the, uh, the the Jimmy Page comment of what? Well, you know, it happened, but she was seventeen and she was legal over there technically. So, uh, well, I'm not saying that he made it better for himself. I guess he legally cleared himself, but he did make himself look like a douchebag. Morally, <laughs> he looked <laughs> like a fucking weirdo. Yeah, morally, you look like a douchebag. It's I think, just a weird conversation, especially this is such a this is such a weird time period, Chris, and it, it really comes down to like the Twitter judge jury execution system. I don't like, and you know that. I think I, we've talked about that. When there is a lot of evidence, like straight statements or multiple accounts, that's one thing. But sometimes, you, basically, since since a lot of this is allegations, there's no actual anything you know against him and shit like that. First of all, should he now that he is out of WWE or when he gets a chance, if he's on some type of non-compete or whatever, not that that would really matter because like it's going to be hard for him to get anywhere but should he try to make some rounds of trying to explain his story or is no one want to even chris jericho who talks to fucking anyone and knows patrick clark from being his coach before and would anyone even want to let him try to tell his story i think he deserves to tell his story regardless and i, I would even go above chris jericho i'd go with like Meltzer or brian alvarez right like if you want to have that conversation just go straight to the big name sources jericho would probably like do a wrestler interview but like if if you or chris van Vliet, that would be a good one too as well oh yeah yeah yeah, i mean don't be in character and act like a douche like drop it for the fucking interview with something like that so if you want to come out and talk about it yeah like good for him like like i said i'm not trying to condemn the guy because i don't know right i wasn't there i don't i have no idea i just know that like as a business if stuff stacks up and you think there's a lawsuit, it's a lot harder to your for your company to get sued if the person doesn't work there. Yeah. I mean, even AEW, who was the one person that got fired out of the company, period, so far? Jimmy Havoc. Yeah, and, and that's just smart business. I mean... I, I, it sucks, because, like I said, and I, I love Velveteen Dream. I thought, like... On if you've listened to the show, listeners out there, for the past three years, I thought he was going to be the next big thing. Like I really did. I thought he he had everything, every making of a superstar that you could ask for. Especially being weird, uh, androgynous, and moving into the modern era, he just kind of had everything. It clicked for me. I thought I thought he was going to be huge. Um, so it really sucks, and maybe he still will be. You know, we don't know. But uh, I just know Enzo got fired unceremoniously for something he didn't do and hasn't been picked up by any other company since. So I, I, the world's weird <laughs> as far as like lawsuits and uh, what you want to associate your name with, I guess. Well, yeah, if if and maybe that can it seems like there's that he's finally getting to the level where he's talking with people. If I was Enzo. This would be my concept. Okay, think about this. Even though, even though uh, big uh, big Kaz or he's calling himself John Morrissey you now. I think he's with Impact, but I don't know if it's exclusively um, new faction on AEW because we already have five fucking billion. 
and they call it the new New Jersey Triad. DDP is in charge with Enzo Amore and 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 uh, whatever the fuck his name is, Big Kaz. Big Kaz is now with Lexi Nair, which is DDP's daughter. Uh, they're engaged, I believe. She's one of the interviewers there, and she can be like the female valet for this group. And uh, yeah, it's DDP and Enzo, and he can finally confirm to everyone that Enzo's actually his son. So that'll be good. That'll be fun. <laughs> I think I offhandedly make the, uh, made a similar comment, but I wanted him with Eddie Kingston and Moxley because the too. promos, so much promos, it'd be great. Uh, I love Enzo. I don't really fucking care. Uh, people can kiss my ass. It's fine. I mean, he he is what he is, and he doesn't claim to be anything more than that. And I respect the fuck out of him for that. <laughs> you know, he's like my favorite wrestler, way, Ultimate Sam. Warrior, kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like uh, he knows what he is, and he's really good at cutting promos. And also, I uh, know. he also fought Joey Janela at a Blink One Eight Two show, which is hilarious to me. <laughs> so <laughs> thumbs, right. thumbs up in my book. <laughs> oh God! All right. Next news item, man. So many fucking news items. AEW Dynamite shifting to TBS in 2022 um, as they expand their franchise with AEW Rampage. So they're testing this out um, with their new lineup uh, for AEW Rampage, which will start in August. Uh, And then next year, both of them are moving to TNT. Um, They were at the upfronts. They got an eight-figure deal to change up, basically, and what they're going to be doing, like I said, is uh, AEW Rampage will be on Friday nights from 10 to 11, um, and moving from TNT, both shows will then go to TBS starting uh, next year uh, so that they can not have to worry about the NBA playoffs and the soon NHL coming to TNT, uh, but they are now going to be in more households because of TBS being a uh, you know, a bigger station itself. But to keep up with the relationship with TNT, they're still going to be doing mini pay-per-views, which they've been doing on their, their show. But in between their big pay-per-views, ones specifically on TNT, um, a la Clash of Champions, Saturday Night uh, Main Event style concept. So, and those will be quarterly. So, pretty big news. Pretty uh, cool stuff. Um, I'm looking forward to a second uh you know show uh it's friday is crazy and next week kind of trying this out right as soon as smackdown's done from 10 until 12 we're going to be having dynamite uh for the go home show into the pay-per-view double or nothing the following uh saturday so that's kind of crazy um i want to talk about the idea of Rampage expanding in the future, if it's a success, and what the fuck could that mean? And a couple other items, but just overall, what do you think about this new deal? An eight-figure deal to move over. That means AEW has more money, and now there are more televisions. And have a second show. Yeah, so if you're an AEW, AEW fan and you're worried about this, don't be worried about this. Because TBS and TNT, they have the same viewership. Like, as far as the households they're available in, etc., you'll have to flip your channel a little bit, I guess. So they'll probably drop ratings because people don't like changing the channel. <laughs> um, that's why people watch three hours of Raw sometimes. 
but you know, all joking aside, um, yeah, I, I think this is really good for AEW just because they don't—they're not getting preempted by the NBA or the NHL. When you start the NBA, uh, the thing about the NHL and the NBA is they play the same amount of games, and their playoffs happen at the same time. So right now, the NHL playoffs are are, are going on, and the in the NBA playoffs are also starting. I want to say uh, it's been a while since I've been in the NBA or, or been a fan of the NBA, I should say. But it's they play they both play 82 games. It's a long season. That'd be a lot of times of like if you're an early WCW fan, like going back to like Thunder or like TBS where the Braves would play and, and their stuff would get shifted like an hour or two hours, even if it was live. Um, they're trying to avoid that. So from that standpoint, it's 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 actually really smart. And they're also getting paid more money. So, I mean, you can't be sad about getting paid more money. Um, and it's TBS. Like, what they're going to show that show about the guy that finds the alien or whatever on TBS or, like, movies for guys that like movies. Man, that movies. I reached. For guys who like movies. <laughs> yeah, that was a deep reach. That was a 90s reach for the listeners out there. But, uh no, I think it's a great move for AEW. The 10 to 11 thing, that's more of the problem. I get why they're doing it, but I'm not going to watch 10 to 11, Dan. It's not going to happen, but that, that's going to be put on record. I have a hard enough time watching SmackDown on Friday nights. And, Saturday, uh, nor- Saturday morning wrestling, yay. <laughs> yeah, me and you, wake up early, watch Saturday morning wrestling. To a podcast. It's 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 Friday. Like there's other stuff to do. Go hang out with your friends. Like I don't have time to sit at home at ten. In the audience of what AEW is going for, being the eighteen to what eighteen to forty audience, people have shit to do on Fridays, especially during that time period, or at least normal people do. I guess I don't know. Or or if you have kids, I get it. Maybe you're going, but you'd be going to bed at that time period, right? That's it's a fucking weird thing. Uh, yeah, ten to eleven. Bad time slot. But uh, outside of that, they're getting paid more money. Going to TBS is not going to mean dick all for them. It just means you have to pick a different channel. It sucks for us because I'm definitely not staying up until 11 watching fucking one-hour shows before pay-per-view of of AEW. It's just not going to happen. I'm going to have to watch it on Saturday, I guess. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Now, the, the, the two questions are, all right, one is more speculation, one's a, one's a, a question, um, and I'll put them to you and then, you know, figure out how I feel about it, but what the hell are they going to do with the TNT title? I mean, it's, like, some people are like, no, they'll just keep it as a TNT title because they're going to do quarterly pay-per-views. Oh, yeah, that makes a bunch of fucking sense. And the TBS title doesn't really look as cool. I mean, at least TNT has an association with Dynamite, you know, but should they just like name it the T, uh, the 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 TV title, just just the the AEW TV title, or does that diminish it? And the other question, Chris, Rampage does really well. You know, um, there it's 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 doing really well. They think that they should do, and this is speculation, they should do it to two hours. Friday SmackDown, like we know. Is eight till ten. They're not going to do it, I would believe, even though they're doing it next week 
it would be stupid of them if they were to add another hour to do it from a ten from ten until twelve. There might be a possibility that in the future, if Rampage does really well and you know gives reason to have a second hour, that we could be having SmackDown in theory from eight until ten, and then maybe from nine until eleven, uh, uh, Rampage. Uh, I, I feel like that is actually a possibility because they keep on expanding and doing better and better and better. It's about the network if they want more stuff. But that would be absolutely fucking crazy if that were to happen, though. First time in many years since the Monday Night Wars. Yeah, I don't I don't ever see them going head-to-head with SmackDown just because Roman's on fire right now. And uh, SmackDown's actually pulling more viewers than Raw. Uh, once again... Like that's kind of crazy to think about because like would would they pull last week? It was like two mil, and uh, I want to say Raw was one point seven with a three hour show or something similar to that. And uh, AEW and NXT are nowhere near that. <laughs> like if we're being completely honest, like it's the Roman Reigns show. Uh, they're they're still the familiar uh, the familiar air. Uh, God damn it, I can't. There's there's uh, tuning in every Friday to watch SmackDown and being familiar with it. I, I don't know why I could not get familiarity out, but uh, yeah. Um, for your first question, though, man, that one uh, that one's a little bit tough. <sighs> Shit, what's the best way to put this? Mm, hold on, let me think. Um, I would call that title the Turner title, and, and I, I, this is pulling from Dave. I think Melter actually said this. Call it the Turner title. It's going to be on Turner Networks, TBS, TNT. It's all Turner. Turner's a huge deal in the wrestling industry. He's the one guy that had the balls to step up against Vince. Just call it the Turner title. Uh, but TNT is also an abbreviation for Dynamite, so I, I guess it technically doesn't matter. Uh, because they built the show around that, but uh, I, I like Dave's idea of calling it the uh, calling it the Turner title. But also, you should have just called it the fucking TV title to begin with, because you never know where you're going to end up. That's an interesting point. I don't know. I would actually just go with the TV title. Um, but I love the look of it too, and TNT looks so cool as opposed to TBS would look just dumb on it. So we'll have to find out, but uh, as far as expanding, who knows what will happen, but you're on Friday, so like you said, don't want to have any head-on-head stuff with SmackDown. I don't think that would be smart, and it wouldn't be smart to go until 12. I think that's a really terrible idea. Uh, I know I can't make it uh, that late. I can barely make it for this next proposal to go to 11. Even though, honestly, SmackDown's usually awesome, and then going for an hour show that they're going to produce and make sure that it's the exact same level as Dynamite... Who knows? Maybe you can keep me up on like uh, I don't know Monday nights. Uh, this fucking terrible bore of a <laughs> fucking television show. We're gonna we're gonna find out how much people care about Kenny Omega very soon when they throw this some bitch on a ten at night. Yep. All right. Well, on, let's on, move. A, on a Friday at least, because people have other shit to do. Like whether it's going to sleep and waking up with your kids and doing something in the morning, or it's like partying. Which is what me and you, or what I'm going to be doing. I'll watch that shit in the morning on Saturday. But like, I'm not 
I'm not sitting down in front of a TV from fucking 10 to 11 after watching SmackDown. It's, it's four. That's like three. That's another three hours of wrestling. Uh, I don't have it in me. And if I was going to spend another hour watching wrestling, I'd rather watch like some New Japan or MLW or something like. I don't know. I guess we'll see. Watch the best of, of death matches and. Uh, a warehouse in fucking Nebraska. Um, yeah. Anyways, let's watch or let's talk about um, Selena Vega. Apparently, she is headed back to WWE. They worked out their stuff. It's almost pretty much 100% uh, at this point. Now, the question is, what will she be doing back? We talked about Ricochet. There is a rumor going on, and it is a rumor, Chris. Interesting rumor that she might be now inserted into the um, the new version of Aleister Black, the one that attacked Big E and uh, looks jacked and has had these really weird backstage vignettes, uh, which I find interesting and I find cool. But there's one glaring issue if they were to do that. Uh, do you have any idea of what that might be? Read my mind. I don't know. Maybe she'll just join the Empire to hang out with Roman Reigns. Well, the position with if she if if the rumor is true with her and Aleister Black, unless they were to keep them on two different platforms and maybe have them meet finally, it seems way too close to Karrion Cross and his real life wife, um, which call it wow, uh, Scarlett Bardot presentation the the fighter who's got like this weird like darkness to him. And then the female counterpart that, even though they don't really show it with Scarlet, is a really good talking head that's actually with them in real life. Would they be able to pull that off with it being so fucking similar to our NXT champion along with his wife and, uh, you know, manager? That's a very good question, Dane. I don't know that I have a great answer for you. I will say I like Selena Vega a lot. And... and um, I don't know. Alistair's so different than Karrion. Karrion really needs a manager. I don't know that Alistair does. So that's kind of the wrench in the plan kind of thing to me. Alistair's a great promo and and fucking good in-ring worker. I I don't know why they have him sitting in a closet and doing whatever he's doing. That's that's more of a booking decision, but he doesn't really need a manager. (laughs) Yeah. I guess is, is, is the thing where like you know, carrying cross, not carrying cross is a terrible promo, but that, that gimmick works really well together. It's like Paul Bear and Undertaker, early Undertaker, right? It, it, there's a fit there where there's a need kind of thing. Well, regardless, it will be interesting to see where she goes. She could do so much for so many different people. If she's with Alistair, I, I get it. I do think it's very similar, but maybe it'll be a good thing. Maybe it's like, I'm trying to think of like a situation where they have two wrestlers that are very similar on both platforms that haven't crossed paths. They've done that before in the past. I think that they could actually make something out of it. Uh, but we'll have to we'll have to wait and see. But I'm glad that she was able to work stuff out with WWE, and I'm looking forward to seeing Zelina Vega uh, pop up somewhere. I'm glad as well, and I'm glad that she's there. But. I kind of wanted to see her actually wrestle. So hopefully she comes back as a wrestler because very underrated talent, Selena Vega. 
another Selena, Selena De La Renta, no longer with MLW and uh, one of the people on the, uh, you know, I would say num- top people to sign to a company, uh, in my opinion. Uh, we're going to go into the main news for MLW, but still, I think we talked about this a little bit last week. Um, Selena De La Renta, where do you think she might pop up soon? She's doing a lot of, you know, modeling stuff on her Patreon and whatnot. Um, but she seems to be trying to figure out her next move, Chris. I mean, to me, either AEW or NWA, it was good to see NWA focused on, on AEW this week. So that, I don't know. I, w- I would say one of those two. AEW needs to stack their wins roster a little harder than everybody else um, right now because I think NXT has a great women's roster and I think uh, Impact has a really good women's roster. So to me, it, it that would make the most sense, but I guess we'll see. And uh, I don't know. She might resign because of the, the Vice TV deal. Well, the, fact that they're fac- the fact that they're now hooking up with a uh... You know NXT down in the uh, the future, um, which has been exciting. That Jacob Fatu was asked about it. He's excited about some type of relationship with that. Um, so that's that's in the move in the future. And MLW just got another huge name uh, added to it. Chris, uh, the returning from retirement from the last six years, Davey Richards, the American Wolf, or part of the American Wolves, along with Eddie Edwards. People have said he's the reincarnation of a of a Benoit type concept. Uh, I think he's an excellent wrestler. Uh, you know, great fucking guy. Came from Ring of Honor and Impact. He's back, and now he's in MLW. And they already have some amazing guys over there. Your Lokis, your Hammerstones, your Fatus, your your Filthy Tom Lawlers, your Von Erics. And now we're throwing Davey Richards in the mix with all that. I am excited about that a, a lot. Me too, man. Davey's a great wrestler. I don't know that I'd call him the... Uh, I I wouldn't make the comparison to Chris Benoit, though. Uh, but he's he's fucking phenomenal wrestler. That's just... Chris Benoit's always weird to compare someone to. And not because of the murder-suicide stuff. Just because, like, Chris Benoit was that fucking good. So you're putting someone on a pedestal. And uh, I've seen a lot of, uh, of Richard's matches... Over the years, and none of them made me say, "Holy shit, that's Crispin Wall." <laughs> I think the uh, the comparison comes more from uh, the body size, the technical stuff, the kind of overall look. Much like, um, and I've heard Chris Jericho compare him. J and J Security was Joey Mercury. Who was the other guy? Jamie Noble. Yeah, Jamie Noble, and they did that thing with uh, Seth after that. Where they were yeah. his security team. Well, Jamie Noble himself, I know a lot of people said that he had that Chris Benoit styled look. I think that that's more the comparison. But the fact that he's a good in worker, no one's going to, like you said, you know, regardless of what he did, Benoit was at the top level of one of the best wrestlers of all time in ring wise. But so that's going to be hard to outdo. But like having that, Balor does to an extent. Um, trying to think of another guy that gives me that vibe. There's a lot of them, uh, you know, the shorter who's, stock uh, guys. Who's the, the who's the cat that used to wear the? Who's the cat that used to wear the pirate coat? And he was the two hundred five uh, live champion for a while, cruiserweight champion. Um, I don't know why Hawk? I can't think of his name. No, uh, 
trained by Shawn Michaels. Oh, uh, Brian Kendrick? Yeah, like everyone said, like, look, he's like Shawn Michaels. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, but like, nah. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> yeah. uh, there's, there's one protege out of, out of the four big names, I would say, that's the most like Shawn. And that's not no, Dana Bryan's his own thing. Uh, you know, I, was, I forgot what the hell his nickname is. Um, Brian Kendricks, same thing. And I love Johnny Gargano, but Adam Cole, baby. That's when I think of protege of Shawn Michaels, it's 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 definitely Adam. I I would agree with you there. That, I mean, that's the thing about Davey Richards when you you. We... Yeah, I'm just regardless. I'm I'm excited to see him come to MLW. I think that he's one hell of a talent. And it'll bring a lot to the table. Any closing comments? Yeah, I mean, the only thing I would say is, like, if I was going to do a comparison to Chris Benoit, it'd probably be Ciampa. I think that's closest intensity-wise and in-ring-wise to a Chris Benoit we've seen in a long time. Uh, but I would also pose back a question to you. Who do you want to see Davey Richards uh, go against an MLW Fatu first? No, I would love a long... Um a long program with him and Loki just beating the living shit out of each other uh, for a second. That'd be a lot of fun to come into. Yeah. That, I mean, that would be great. I, if I was doing, uh, if I was think, I mean, filthy Tom would also be great. Uh, but yeah, I, I, you can do so much with David Richards. Yeah. He's, filthy he's Tom. Phenomenal. All right, well, let's move on to the next one. We got a couple things, then we can get the hell out of here. Um, so I think, yeah, these are the last two things. Well, oh, one more. Don Callis is no longer uh, one of the executives in Impact, Chris. Uh, apparently, Scott Demore is now completely in charge, and um, he's there as he signed a new contract as as a talent. And, um, yeah, that, that, that's about it. Um, you know, he's going to be doing that and he's going to be doing AEW, but he's now signed a talent, a talent contract with impact, but he is done as far as an executive. My question is, even though he's a talent still signed there, we don't know the extent of his contract. Uh, is that really going to mean that impact and, especially after the championship goes back to whoever in impact the relationship will stay with AEW and impact. If Don, uh, is not a part of the, you know, executives along with him and Scott Demore. And is Scott good to do this stuff by himself or should he maybe grab Tommy dreamer? Who's been working underneath him for a long time to have a head position. I hate to be the wrestling fan, but I think it's a work. It's still Don Callis. Um, but yeah, no, Tommy Dreamer would be great. I mean, if you're just looking for a booker, unless you like Tommy Dreamer, good too. Like that House of Hardcore reality stuff he was doing, that was pretty bad. Um, I would actually probably tap someone like Bully Ray, who I thought was doing some pretty good stuff in Ring of Honor, minus, uh, you know, go be a fan. Um, but outside of that, I thought like the stuff he was trying to book over there was pretty decent. 
G- Gabe Sapolsky, what's he doing? Oh, yeah, he's working on that new NXT show that hasn't came out yet. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. Um, I don't know. I don't know what that means exactly with the relationship, but uh, if 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 it isn't a work, brother, brother, Don Callis, more as just an on-screen character, probably work out better. I'm surprised he's not doing commentary besides the random stuff he does over at AEW, because to me, he's one of the best commentators uh, of the modern era. So, whatever he does, good for him. And this has been rumored for a long time. So let's get down to our last two stories. I, I have one, to say? Yeah, I got one quick question for you. If Don Callis is not the head booker of Impact, and it is Scott, what do you expect? Like, how do you think that lands, uh, the landscape is going to shake out? Because if he's not booking Kenny Omega and the Bullet Club, etc., or the club the good brothers uh what do you think that guy's gonna do because if i'm don Callis, i'm like kenny's not dropping the belt i would say man you get a position that eventually once in this probably already i mean I, I'm, I'm assuming that the heads whether it be a conan from from uh triple a or scott demore from impact tony they have it scheduled out of when tony is gonna have kenny drop the belt whenever that may be so that the other two belts can get freed up because this is going to be like a a climbing process for Kenny afterwards. So maybe whenever that may be after that, Scott's like, I'm assuming that the relationship might not deteriorate, but go to more of a minimal uh, after Kenny's not the champion. I think that would make the most sense. Yeah, the, the Don Callis situation is weird, and I don't necessarily know that I buy it just because Impact is also the company that told us that Vince Russo didn't work there, but he worked there for like 100 years. So um, maybe I'm just being too fucking sarcastic, but I don't see Kenny dropping the title to Moose if this is like this month, right? Like, what is he going to do? He's going to hold it forever? And if I was Kenny Omega, I'm not dropping it. Um, unless they have someone coming in that's a high-profile guy. They they kind of bone It'll themselves. Be... Well, you know how they like to, I don't know, uh, blow their load before they're ready, if that makes sense. I could see AW just putting the fucking title on Orange Cassidy. Kenny's done with that, loses the Moose, and then loses the fucking Andrade, and then they rebuild him as a crazy person. I don't fucking know. It's It's AW. Although Orange Cassidy has a champion. I don't know, Chris. I don't know if I'm down with it. I know he's over, and I know they're about to go back to touring live, and he's like their ultimate baby face. But why the fuck did Cody get himself in the position that he did? It's so stupid. And now he's doing political speeches where you have no idea what exactly he's talking about and whatnot, and he's now the American dream. It's just so dumb to me. He's got to hang out with Snoop Dogg, dude. You're, you know what it is. <laughs> You know what it is. No, no, I. It is weird. Uh, Orange Cassidy. I know you hate that, but that could be a real possibility. <laughs> Especially if 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 you're saying Don Callis is not going to be there booking Impact, and they're expecting him to drop the title anyways. 
if you're AEW, you're like, well, let's put it on AEW or let's put it on Orange. Send him to the moon, as Cameron Grimes would say. It's like it, it's the concept is like if Daniel Bryan took sleeping pills. <sighs> I know, I know you're not a big Orange Cassidy fan. I like Orange Cassidy. I think that he's a great attraction. I don't think he should have the World Heavyweight Belt. Him getting the TNT Belt, I'd be down for. But the World Championship, it's just. Uh, all right. Did you, even though you love Shane Helms, and I know I did too, did you want Hurricane ever to win the world title against The Rock, even though he beat him and rolled him up once? No, <laughs> but I also don't want Horch Cassidy win the title either. It's just sometimes that's your best option. <laughs> I mean, unless you're going to put it on Darby. There you go. That's what they should do. Why don't they push Darby to the moon? He's already the most over person. He doesn't have the t- title anymore. He can beat Ethan Page and fucking Scorpio Sky with Sting. And then he goes after Kenny Omega. He's the perfect person. He's better than Adam Page. He makes more sense than Orange Cassidy. He's probably more over than Orange Cassidy with both the kids and people in general. And probably the only one maybe in that company that is. Especially now that the Bucks and Kenny are heels and Cody's whatever the fuck. Um... Yeah, that actually should be the guy to win the title against Kenny, now that yeah, I'm thinking I mean, about it. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking at Orange Cassidy, it's, it's either Orange Cassidy, Adam Page, or Darby, and Darby would make the most sense if you're not going to have Orange Cassidy somehow win this belt in a joking manner and then queue up the Pixies. <laughs> like it's, something about, it's, it's interesting. Something, Something about Orange Cassidy outsmarting all of that group is hilarious to me, but like I also don't want to see it. <laughs> like I do want to see it, but I don't like I don't want to see it. Like he shouldn't be champion, kind of thing. Ooh, now I'm now I'm now I'm kind of excited. All right, well, uh, two more items of news. So Wade Keller, kind of, and this has been said by Raj Giri. Um, from Wrestling Inc., the head of Wrestling Inc., and other, you know, people in the know. Solid Monster said the same thing. Um, I'm trying to think of, like, uh, Dave LaGreca mentioned this. This rumor and or what rumblings people have been hearing has been going on for a very long time. It's just that most pugnants were being respectful. Well, it's funny, because if this happened in WWE, it would be all over the fucking uh, dirt sheets, brother, brother, real quick. But apparently there's some infighting within the execs, uh, the EVPs uh, themselves in AEW wrestling. And most of it has to do with, apparently now recently, even Kenny and the Bucks were having odds, but mostly with Kenny and the Bucks, with their opinions and their ideas going against Cody and his opinions and his ideas. Uh, Apparently Cody has not talked to them. And this is, like I said, rumors that Wade Keller mentioned um, I can go over his quotes, but it was more like what he's hearing and then speculation. So it's it's up to you, Chris, if you want me to say, state them. But, um, you know, these guys aren't getting along and the honeymoon phase is over. But a lot of people are saying this happens a lot within wrestling. And this is something that, you know, usually happens and then they overcome it. But the concept of having one guy with four guys right underneath him working with him. And not only that, just hearing the booking techniques that I don't think QT Marshall was supposed to tell people involved with how he gets the format from the show 
he knows what's supposed to happen, but it's kind of Tony's idea and he's not supposed to tell the talent until later on. And that's why he admittedly said that some of the stuff that he puts together, he doesn't realize that the match that the guys plan out themselves have a similar ending because there's not a lot of communication on that, which I find fucking bonkers crazy. Um, but a lot of this stuff is a little bit unorganized. And um, even though I love a lot of the stuff on AEW, that and SmackDown are my two re- favorite wrestling shows. It's it seems to show a bit. And we know that being the company dude going around and doing different shows for Turner, Cody's been doing that, and he's taken it back to trying to get the title by doing that speculate or that stipulation and. To me, he was probably the guy who, who, I don't know, maybe Darby did, but I don't know. I think he best represented the TNT title, even over, I'll say it, um, Luke Harper and fucking uh, Darby. I think that he had matches with random people that were either on the roster or within the indies every single week. It made people like Eddie Kingston a fucking champ, and he held that title really well. And now he's kind of been in the background, and he has a match against Anthony Agogo at the fucking pay-per-view. So infighting between the elite, if you will, Chris. How do you feel about that? And do you want me to tell you the way Keller quote, or do you, have you already read it yourself? I don't, I don't need the quote, but do you think Gato is sitting somewhere with his feet propped up, just laughing really, really hard? Probably. <laughs> He's like, Booker of the Year, huh? During COVID. Got me. <laughs> God. You know it's gonna. Ca- I mean, it's gonna. Ca- it was gonna catch up eventually, anyways. And uh, to me, the 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 Cody storyline is one of the big thorns in their side. And we've talked about this multiple times. The fact that he can't win the title, but he also can't be their TV champ. Like, uh, and and then like him not showing up to go against the elite because I don't know if they don't want him in the storyline, but that's kind of what it seems like. Like, if he's supposed to be the Sting, which or Dusty, he should be the guy that's going after these heels. Like, he should be right there with Moxley, right? Yep. So, I mean, I get what they're trying to do. Some some of the booking stuff makes sense, and, and some of the matches are good, and it's, what, like eight? They have, what, one hour, two hours of YouTube, two hours of TV. They're going to get an additional hour. And uh, they also include being elite as part of it, which is like an hour or so. I mean, that's a lot of wrestling. You're asking the general fan to think about stuff a lot. And I think that's why, like, you know, when, like, Jericho or MGF cut, or MJF cuts promo, it's great because it's just about their one, <laughs> the one thing they're doing. The rest of the show is so sporadic and all over the place. Um, I wouldn't book it that way, but, you know, whatever. Tony Khan's got a lot more money than me. He does. He has a lot more money than me, too. And his dad has more money than all of us combined. But, uh, yeah, interesting stuff. I hope there's not a lot of infighting. I hope a lot of this is just rumors. Maybe someone who was there noticed an argument and then fucking blew it up to where it is, you know. And, uh I mean, Metzler and a lot of these guys, uh, or Meltzer, I mean, and a lot of these guys, they're like Varys from fucking Game of Thrones. They got their birds, and they wait for them to come and tell them uh, the information and shit. So that's how it is. It's just surprising that no one said anything until recently, since apparently this has been going on for a long time, 
uh, a lot of people have been hearing that at least. Yeah, and if I Tony Khan, I'll fire QT immediately. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's amazing that he fucking went over that. But that's still not good on Tony's end if that's the way if that's the way he does it. Jesus. No, no, you're right. It's not good on his end, but it's also not your job to point everyone's bullshit out, right? Yep. When you work yep. for a guy that's paying you money, <laughs> like I would fire that guy. You already have Arn. I mean, if you're just looking for like a wrestling trainer, there's a bunch that you can pick that are probably better than QT Marshall. Uh, nothing against QT or anything, but uh, maybe don't be a dumbass. Maybe they can get Sarge from back in the day for WCW uh, from the uh, power plant. He can start being their new coach. Um, that was a really bad joke. That was a deep cut. That is a deep cut joke, and I really appreciated it, but I was on mute and couldn't laugh as hard as I wanted to. <laughs> All right, uh, last bit of information. Everyone's going back to live crowds. Some people are scared. Some people are excited. I just can't wait to see the audience. I'm going to, even though I'm vaccinated, I'm going to wait a little while for the live events, but I'm looking forward to having an audience on television. So this first started with uh, AEW. Um, and they said that basically, I think their first show, trying to look it up, is July 7th. And they'll be going from basically Florida and Texas are the ones that are open right now. So they'll be doing that. Uh, and then uh, Ring of Honor, they said that they're going to have their best of the world. Or no, bring, wait, wait. Yeah, best in the world pay-per-view will be uh, at July 11th on a Sunday at Chesapeake. Uh, Employers Insurance Arena. That's a real name for an arena? Great one. Anyways. Uh, but <laughs> th- these Sorry. arena names are so stupid. Like, I don't know. Uh, yeah, e- even the one here locally, Truest Park. What the fuck is Truest? <laughs> it's like, so bad. But anyways, so that will be July 11th. Like I said, AEW will be starting going on tour at least for the first branch until they reevaluate. And then now WWE had just announced last night they're going back on tour. And it's also at the beginning of July. Huh. Weird. Until Labor Day. Uh, And they're going to be testing this out. So we're going to be getting live attendance again, Chris, to these wrestling shows. Are you excited to see the reactions from the crowd of what is getting over and what's not getting over? And I love Daily Place. It's definitely a good representation. But there's nothing like going from different towns and not having, you know, the first front row, all of your other wrestlers uh, that are doing the dark matches later on. So we'll actually get different audiences and there's no more Thunder fucking Dome and Ring of Honor is going to be one of the first ones to have a pay-per-view, which is good for them. Um, I'm excited about all this. Uh, Like I said, I'll take a break from going to the live events for a little while, but I'm looking forward to watching them with an audience that's not a recording pumped in it's gonna be very weird to see what happens when Roman Reigns comes out that's what I'm gonna say about that first Smackdown show well he was booed at Wrestlemania which was good it kinda they piped in a lot of stuff at Wrestlemania it's gonna be uh, I don't know man they piped in so much stuff at Wrestlemania it's hard to tell but uh, he was also against Edge and Daniel Bryan I don't know what they're going to do when he's going against a guy. 
you know what I mean? Like you put him against two of the biggest baby faces of all time. <laughs> so he should get booed. I don't know how the fans are going to treat him once he shows up and he's going against like a Cesaro or a Kevin Owens, etc. Like, I, I don't know what's going to happen to me. That's the big, that, that's the big one is like, uh, how are you going to AW? I feel like the fans are really dedicated to whatever the wrestler is. Whereas WWE, they try to push what the wrestler is. Um, for instance, like Cody Rhodes, he's always going to get a pop, right? Yeah, his music, you know, the... And, like, Kenny is working his ass off as a heel, but he's always going to get a pop from that audience because he's their guy. It's the same thing with Ciampa. It's not just an AEW thing. Like, Ciampa is... It doesn't matter how hard you try to make him heel, he's still Tomasa Ciampa, right? Um where you have someone like Roman Reigns, maybe it, it, it means a little bit more. The, the big thing for me is, like... The force push of when I should cheer and boo will be deleted from WWE. It's not as bad on AEW or Ring of Honor or, or Impact, but fucking WWE with this Thunderdome shits. It's rough, dude. Yeah, yeah that is true. Like, it's going to be interesting. It's definitely going to be interesting. Like A great example is almost. He's actually super over, and I think the fans are super behind him based on that WrestleMania thing. But then when like him and AJ show up, they're like, you got to boo these guys. <laughs> so he get the piped-in boos. Yeah, they even almost seem to be approaching them as baby faces, though, right now on Raw. So that, that's probably going to turn. AJ can, be fu- can go from heel to baby face, and it's like, eh, it's AJ Styles. Fuck it. Who cares? What I want to know is Ring of Honor. They're having their first uh, big show. It's going to be in front of people. Do you think they're going to have any surprises uh, going on there? Because if you're going to have anyone come out mm. to make a big deal for Ring of Honor, it would be their first live show in front of people. Are you saying maybe yes, Samoa Joe shows up? A Joe or maybe... Uh, we. Hey, everyone's saying, well, he's probably going to stay with WWE, but I have not heard anything about fucking Dana Bryan. At all. I'm just saying there's a lot of that type of stuff out there. But maybe I'm I just mean, hoping too much. They could have just gave him the contract he wanted and this wouldn't be a conversation. Uh, <laughs> all he wanted to do was why, go wrestle. Why other the fuck places. yeah, why why can't you know <laughs> why can't he work with CMLL and fucking New Japan? What the hell does that really bother you so much about? Like give me a goddamn break. Just let him do what he wants. I mean, unless he's gonna be your champion, it doesn't matter. I mean, it matters if you're like Kenny Omega and you're carrying three belts and shit. But like, if you're is just it, gonna go have a random match, like, is it an injury shit. they're worried about happening in another place that <laughs> for, you know would be a spinal injury for a guy that literally came back from injuries? Yeah, that's <laughs> what I'm saying too, man. If he wants to fucking do that, let him. But if he wants to show up at Ring of Honor with Samoa Joe and CM Punk on the same night of the live thing and didn't put them on the moon and get Sinclair Broadcast and put a shitload of money into it, you know, that's that's all I'm saying. Joe Koff, do some shit. Get off your fucking ass. Call the executives at Sinclair. You could really like, do some crazy shit. I feel like you just made Delirious's dick twitch somewhere. <laughs> oh, my God. How, how, how the hell did Davey Richards come out of retirement from six years and you guys didn't get him? Like, how? I 
no fucking idea. Um, but that's gonna be that's gonna be probably one of the best crowds though, just because. Well, they're not gonna be close because what Ring of Ring of Honor is filmed in Cali still, right? Yeah, so I'm not sure where this place, where this, if this event had to be in Texas or something due to the restrictions, but that's where they're usually at is Cali. Yes, I mean they're well. Well, if it's in Texas, they don't have to be six. It doesn't matter. Ring of Honor does a good job of bringing the crowd close to the ring, and I don't know. It's just very different. Like even when we watch these uh, pay per views from Daily's Place where they actually sell tickets, it's so spread out. It's just such a big venue. <laughs> With Ring of Honor, it's not going to be that. So, I mean, I, that crowd would absolutely lose their mind if, like, Samoa Joe showed up or Daniel Bryan showed up. They would lose their shit. Yeah, so. even if it's like Joe comes out, people go nuts. He says he's going to make a mark on here, and he's going to start destroying people, and there's no one in my league that's on this roster, and then you hear the flight of the Bumblebee, and Brian Danielson, the American Dragon, comes out, and is like, "Hold on, motherfucker! They'll be uh, they'll be the top news in wrestling that week. Ring of yeah, Honor will Joe- jump up <laughs> immensely if that were to happen. Joe Joe won't even be able to cut a promo because the fans will be chanting, "Joe is going to kill you so loud, even if there's no one there." <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, I guess that's all the news. Do you have any last comments about... I mean, I'm just excited that there's live audience coming. Yeah, pretty much the same. I Like I said, the big thing is, like, what's the reception to Roman going to be? Because I feel like he's been kind of the superstar of this era. Um, and what's the reception to Jimmy? Maybe that's going to yeah. be a huge deal, right? Like... I'm sure Jay would have been super, super over. It's going to be weird watching uh, and Drew. Raw. Yeah, that's that's what I was going to say. Is Raw is going to be the weird one because you've built Drew up so hard, but do the fans actually care? Like, kind of. You've told us we should care, and you've put him over in some matches, but do the fans actually care? That's that's going to be one of the hard ones. Drew and and it, Lashley to some extent. I don't know that the fans actually care about him as a heel. Uh, at least not the mainstream WWE audience. I'm sure like us, like me and you, care about it. But I, I don't know what's going to happen when they're like, he's the bad guy. Yeah. Well, fun stuff. Uh, last thing before we uh, head out. Chris, is there anything from Ross, Matdown, NXT that we didn't talk about? Uh, anything come to your head that you'd like to mention before we get out of here? Oh, man. I'm trying to think of something. I Nothing. I think we hit all of it. Uh, I mean, Roman's still great. I think he's the best thing on wrestling right now. Get at me at Chris R. Patton on Twitter if you disagree. Yeah, I, I think I feel like we covered everything. Um, so that's our show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. We'll have a show next week and we'll go back to normal format of covering NXT, SmackDown and AEW. We just had a lot of stuff to cover and we appreciate you guys listening out there. Um, you know, just if you want to join our wonderful organization of Geek Fives Nation, go to geekfivesnation.com. You'll find news articles for various geek related things, comic books, comic book movies, 
video games, professional wrestling, even some sports stuff. And you'll find links to all of our different um, social media uh, places at Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Geek Fives Nation. Be a part of the conversation. Join Geek Fives Nation. Uh, if you want to listen to us, Wrestling Geeks Alliance, you can search it on Google, find multiple different ways, or on any audio platform, doesn't matter if it's iTunes, Stitcher, uh, Spotify, just search Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Shows come out usually every single week, and we look forward to talking to you guys more next week about wrestling. Uh, I want to thank my co-host, Christopher Brother Ray Patton, for a great show, and just uh, anything you want to plug, sir, and say goodbye to the wonderful people out there. Except for that one guy who's a dick because he's mad at me. Fuck him. <laughs> Why is the, what, who's the one guy that's is, is that reference? I don't know. Super I don't know. Tan? I don't know. But he's out there, Chris. <laughs> he's out there. It's probably that super tan referee we both hate. Uh, nah, if anyone wants to talk to me, hit me at Chris R. Patton on Twitter, Christopher Ray Patton on Facebook, and Chris.R.Patton on Instagram, etc. Uh, I will have a new hockey podcast coming out today. We're going to talk about the, the dastardly Taylor Hall moving over to the Bruins, talk about some NHL playoffs. We're going to talk about uh, the Red Wings. We're doing a deep dive. We're going from uh, early 1900s until now on what that's going to be. So that, that'll be interesting history stuff. If you're into hockey, if you're into super, if you're just super into wrestling, I'd love to talk about it. Hit me up. Uh, rest in peace, Don canoodle. Um, we didn't get to talk about it earlier, but RIP bud. And, uh, Dane, thank you as always for having me, bud. Yeah. Big rest in peace to Don canoodle and a big rest in peace to new Jack. Uh, it sucks when we lose some wrestlers, especially big names from back in the day. Uh, check out some of their stuff if you can stomach New Jacks. Uh, both great things, man. But, uh, yeah, great episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. Let the Geek Fives be with you. And, as always, peace out.